humanistic portrait that City LeMay paints shows a complicated and duty-bound husband and father who is not merely a homosexual, but is a man with complicated obligations and no way to meet them. Sonny faces down homophobia, not just from hundreds of cops surrounding the bank or from the crowds outside, but from Sal, who is mortified to also be called gay. Our coverage of the Brooklyn robbery where two homosexuals are holding hostages for their demands of a helicopter, a jet, Sonny. and safe passage out Sonny, of the Sonny, they said on a TV, two homosexuals in the bank, right on TV. Did you hear what they said? What the difference is it, the man? They're going to say anything they want. Let them say. <sighs> the crowd outside largely treats Sonny as a kind of Robin Hood figure, and the media spectacle is as much of a character, a stand-in for us, as anyone else. after Dog Day Afternoon, Sidney LeMay would direct Network. It's clear that LeMay and the writer Frank Pearson were grappling with a TV ecosystem that was telling us how to think and feel, hungry for the sensational. As the hostages settle into a strange giddy Stockholm syndrome, they also relish being characters on TV. That TV is also able to show the factional identity of gay Americans who are split on whether... Hang on. It some, somehow didn't save the entire video, so I got to go do my intro from YouTube instead of <laughs> instead of doing it from. It started right in the middle of it. And I was we, like, oh, we, we, we do it live, people. This this is what happens. This happens when you do it live. Wyoming. No, Wyoming. That's not a country. That's all right. I, I'm going to take care of it. For a long time. Hollywood could only imply homosexuality on screen. Although the 1920s was a bit looser, the Hayes Code in 1934 ensured that gay characters and relationships were never explicitly referenced. Movies like Alfred Hitchcock's Rope and All About Eve sought to imply the existence of gay characters, but it wasn't until the 1960s where the code broke down and mainstream Hollywood movies could start grappling openly with homosexuality. The legendary epic, Lawrence of Arabia, was able to lightly imply a relationship between two men in 1962. This is my well. I have drunk from it. You are welcome. He was my friend. That? Yes. That. Peter O'Toole's T.E. Lawrence has a relationship with his companion, Sharif Ali. 
The director, David Lean, told Peter O'Toole to play the character as a gay man. In 1964, Sidney LeMay directed The Pawnbroker, which openly allowed two Nazis to be gay. Also, Brock Peters plays an African-American pimp who is also clearly gay. Oh, that makes you stupid, Professor. You're living right in it. Right in the middle of one big whorehouse, right in the bosom of the world. How do you say it? Filth? Horror? Right in the middle of it, and you don't know it. Or maybe something else. Maybe because you don't want to know. Are you that kind of man, Professor? The kind that doesn't want to know about things, feel about things? Are you that kind? The film showed bleak images of a concentration camp, sexual assault, and was pushed to the Hays Code board in the hopes of breaking the board completely. It worked. A decade later, Sidney LeMay again brought gay characters to the screen with 1975's Dog Day Afternoon. That's the film we're going to be discussing tonight. Hey, where's the map? You ready to go to Algeria? Algeria? Yeah, sure. We're all going to sunny climes! Sal, I can make it happen. I can make it happen. I made it happen so far, right? I can make it happen. Dog Day Afternoon is a movie based on real events, and it dramatizes a 1972 robbery and hostage situation that occurred at a Chase Manhattan bank in Brooklyn. The robbery was written about in a Life magazine article called The Boys in the Bank. John, or Sonny, and Salvatore, and their friend Robert, held seven Chase Manhattan bank employees hostage for 14 hours. The real John had pumped himself up by watching The Godfather before the robbery. Fresh off The Godfather 2, Al Pacino and John Cazale starred as Sonny and Sal in this dramatization. I mean fresh. It filmed four months after they finished filming The Godfather 2. Pacino helped cast the film. Many of the hostages and other characters are his former off-Broadway co-stars. Sonny manages to keep all the hostages alive. A grueling task, as one is asthma and one is diabetes. The FBI then tricks him and kills Sal, a former convict, before arresting Sonny and dragging him to a 20-year sentence of which he'd only served five. Sonny is also revealed to be gay and in a relationship with a gay man named Leon, who is now planning to get gender reassignment surgery to transition into a woman. Well, I don't have a choice. What do you mean you didn't have a choice? Well, what am I supposed to do? I mean, they're, they're standing all around me. There's 7,000 fucking cops all around me. Who's on the phone now? But don't lay it on me. I'm not laying it on you, but you you knew that was going on, right? What are you talking about laying it on you? You knew what was happening, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, don't, well, I didn't have who's a on choice. The, I wanna, right? Who's on the phone now? The expense of the surgery is one reason Sonny decides to rob the bank. As well as his mountain of debt, two kids, and inability to find a job. You know, you know, you got to get if you if you want a job, you got to be a member of a union. See, and if you're not, if you've got no uh, union card, you don't get a job. What about non-union occupations? What's wrong with this guy? What do you mean non-union? Like what? A bank teller? You know how much a bank teller makes a week? Not much. Not much. One hundred and fifteen to start, right? Sonny is married, Leon, but is also married to a woman, Angie, with whom he has children. The humanistic portrait that Sidney LeMay paints shows a complicated and duty-bound husband and father who is not merely a homosexual, but is a man with complicated obligations and no way to meet them. Sonny faces down homophobia, not just from hundreds of cops surrounding the bank or from the crowds outside, but from Sal, who is mortified to also be called gay. 
Our coverage of the Brooklyn robbery where two homosexuals are holding hostages for their demands of a helicopter, a jet, it's funny. and safe passage out funny. of the It's funny. They said on a TV, two homosexuals in the bank, right on TV. Did you hear what they said? What the difference is it, man? They're going to say anything they want. Let them say. Let them say. Let them say. The crowd outside largely treats Sonny as a kind of Robin Hood figure, and the media spectacle is as much of a character, a stand-in for us, as anyone else. Hey, Randy, can you use five? A year after Dog Day Afternoon, Sidney LeMay would direct Network. It's clear that LeMay and the writer Frank Pearson were grappling with a TV ecosystem that was telling us how to think and feel, hungry for the sensational. As the hostages settle into a strange, giddy Stockholm Syndrome, they also relish being characters on TV. That TV is also able to show the factional identity of gay Americans who are split on whether Sonny is a gay icon or a nightmare for them. Phone calls have begun to arrive at our switchboard from various factions of the gay community. Some in full support of Sonny and his actions, others totally condemning the present events and calling the marriage a farce and, quote, a case of sheer exhibitionism, end quote. LeMay has gotten criticized for the gay characters in The Pawnbroker, but here, these are more fully realized, especially Pacino's performance, than most gay characters today. Dog Day Afternoon feels like a landmark, grappling not just with both homosexuality and transgender identity, but also the nature of homophobia in a sensationalist time. The most famous line of the film comes when Sonny goes outside and plays to the crowd, yelling, Attica! Attica, Attica. Get over there, will ya? He wants to kill me so bad he can taste it. I can always gonna kill you. Attica! 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 Attica, a prison riot that took place a year before the robbery, had ended with 29 prisoners and 10 correctional officers dead after police opened fire on everybody. Symbolically, this was one of many events in the early 1970s that showed how fundamentally broken and uncaring this country had become. And, after ambushing our protagonists and killing one, it stands as yet another moment where law enforcement chose to just neutralize rather than compromise. What? Kiss me. When I'm being fucked, I like to get kissed hey, a come lot. Come on, come yeah. on, come on. You're a city cop, right? Robbing the bank's a federal offense. They got me on kidnapping, armed robbery. They're going to bury me, man. I don't want to talk to somebody who's trying to calm me. Get somebody in charge here. I am in charge I don't want to talk to some flunky pig trying to calm me. To be fair, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, host of Britonic Reversal, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Jandrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza and Bad Takes. Christina Oaks. You can find her streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash cosmopolitics. And she is organizing our Big Gay June extravaganza. 
I, of course, am your amateur bank robbing host, Forrest Miller. hoo It's Big Gay June. There it is. I never thought that would stick. Also, the part of Christina will be played by uh, Ghidra from the Godzilla movies. So everybody welcome Ghidra <laughs> to the panel. Damn, she's, uh, you know, Ghidra showed up, showed up one second earlier than Audrey did, who ran down just now trying to, you know, play the part of Christina. That's right. It's, 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 a, it's a coveted role uh, being, being the, I don't know, second to fourth banana on this show. I don't even know. It's an it's anarchy. I, uh, I, I, might, I might have to. I Sometimes have to, it's first. Who knows? I might have to chase uh, dog Christina out of here in a minute because she's she's literally rearing for attention, right? Now. Apparently. Yeah. Well, exactly. Ooh-ah. We'll do great on Twitch is all I got to say. Uh <laughs> Cool. So yeah, I didn't think Big Gay June was gonna stick. I really didn't. Yeah, I just we just I don't think we ever thought of another. <laughs> I don't thing. think anybody thought and, something else. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a whole week hanging out together to think of something else. I know, I know, and nobody got anything better. So it it's was, like uh, we we were we were real focused on Caterwall, making the the you yep. know helping out with the best uh, possible noise rock experience. You know, That's right? We, so we were we were stuck in Big Gay June. We had but, we had no no <laughs> ideas whatsoever for the gays. Uh, <laughs> We but love this, them, though. We, we love, we the, love gays. the gays. We love our gays. <laughs> so I, I think that this movie, though, like it, it's kind of crazy that we're still tokenizing gay characters, and for this movie to kind of embody in 1975, like uh, you know, and and of course, uh, Sonny, who actually his name is the name that he used is Little John Basso, the real guy. Which yeah. you know, apparently his name was Little John. The reason that he used it is because his dick is small, which is just like a. <laughs> Just a, a great wow. gem that's in the documentary where he tells his life story. He's like, yes. I'm Little John, and they called me Little John because I got a, a tiny dick. I was like, all right. The guy's fuck, the guys, this movie only captures like 10% of how actually that, insane this guy yeah, is. The, yeah, the, the fact that it. he decided to walk into the bank with pop art to hide the guns. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which, that's, which the, is... that's some Andy thinking. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he was like, like, he was like, I hit the, the. I was like, I was like, people would just think it's some kind of Andy Warhol painting, and they're not going to ask anything yeah. until the gun comes out. That's uh, that's that's peak Andy thinking. Yes, <laughs> multiple Andys, by the way. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it, uh, it's there's a lot to the real life characters, but I mean, <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot to the actual uh, story of the movie as, as well, and I mean, I think you hit an important point. And one of the reasons I'm glad we're doing this is like. The characters are well rounded, and, and and it's weird that you still don't see that. Yeah, that that is kind of like yeah. like uh, like a character can have identity other than just oh they're the gay one. Like oh do yeah. they do anything else or are they just gay? No, they're just gay. We haven't bothered thinking of anything else for them to do. And uh, you know, I guess all all three of the guys in like the real story were gay. It's good that they only had kind of Sunny as the focus of that. I think though. Um, well, yeah, because then Sal's all like, "Hey, can you let him know that that I'm not?" Yeah, because yeah. that's the most important thing. You're robbing a bank, but let's make sure that they know that you're straight. Yeah, that's yeah. real important. And, uh, that's some real uh, high school gym uh, sort of logic. Well, and <laughs> thank the, you. There's so much in this movie that's like comedic timing, which you wouldn't expect from like a, a movie about yeah. bank robberies. Like from the very beginning, when things start to go wrong, uh, the, the timing of it is really comedic. And the part that you know, my favorite line I think in it is. Um, he starts getting lectured like, oh, you weren't prepared to rob this bank. Like you didn't have any. Yeah. And then the woman's like, he's not prepared. He, uh, you know, he, he didn't have a plan. He just, yeah. oh, like rob a bank. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. She's like talking trash on him. Like it's really notable how different everything hits than modern heist movies. Because first of all, just like things like, okay, in a modern heist movie, somebody goes outside, they get shot. 
immediately. It's not yes. like, oh, there's a standoff with the police and the police are embarrassed because they uh, they get sort of bested by this populist figure. No, no, it's literally a sniper takes you out immediately. And that just goes to show you how militarized police have become since uh, the 70s. Not that there was any great shakes back then, but like... I, like yeah, no, I mean, even in this movie, the black guy gets like beat the crap beat out of yeah. him, even though like yeah. he's having like a, a, a an asthma attack before that, right? Because they just they just don't know that he's well, allegedly they don't they don't know that that he's like one of the hostages. But like it's it's notable that I mean, it's seriously now the, the, what's the big thing, right? Like if somebody like goes outside in a bank robbery, they get shot immediately, and like unless they're immediately identified as a hostage. Like, and the fact that they show that there are snipers, but it's sort of like, oh no, this will be an extreme event where somebody would have to give an order to do that rather than just like you know go do it immediately. And, and that's the fixation with Attica as well, like Attica exactly. Is- which which I don't know about you guys. I saw this like long time ago. I was like I was like. Why is it, what Attica? What is that? And then I like look it up what it was because I was I thought it was like a cool thing to yell. I'm like, oh, that's a cool thing to yell. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, it was actually like a whole thing and a horrible thing. And horrible yeah, I was like yeah. going to concerts and be like Attica. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite band, Attica. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they, um, I love their first. I, I know, I know like, about Attica you know, like, at a show. <laughs> because uh, when Howard Zinn wrote A People's History of the United States, which, yeah, you know, I didn't get around to reading until like a couple years ago. But uh, one part of his one chapter of that book is about like prisoners' rights. It's about prisoners' rights. That's actually how I found out about it. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. wow, that's uh, that's uh, that's literally horrifying. Okay, I mean, but, also- be- <laughs> but just real quick, Andy, just because like in in America in the, the school system, history never gets beyond founding father worship. So of course you would never teach anything modern because that potentially could be controversial. Yeah, uh, go ahead, Andy. But, but the, uh, the the one thing is like uh, as a kid, if you remember correctly. Conan, like, like we're about the same age mm-hmm. uh, people still like yelled attica for just no reason oh yeah because it's a like, rad thing to yell yeah 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 <laughs> and it, it, it was a thing like like uh y'all y'all you know you you youngsters you know but like like uh you know that that was like uh for a long time that that was uh i mean it's basically paper rock writer with a cowbell but i like that song but it, it just it feels like such a um a, a society wide traumatic moment that you know like the crowds cheer he's yelling about Attica like, and the crowds yeah the crowds on yeah. the side of the robber right of like yeah get get these dumb pigs you know like and, and like how often is that shown like it, like it happens in in life but like you never see it depicted in a film because especially these and there's a lot of things that get into the reasons rationale for access to you know military resources success so on so on things like how the shield like that show the shield which is incredible but they had to go to like extraordinary lengths to basically differentiate it from the actual unit that did those things that was part of lapd (laughs) and they went to like these extreme levels to like basically differentiate it even then like still were like trying to shut them down at every given moment in time like you just can't do it so what they do is they end up you know it, it ends up being like copaganda as, as some people like to call it but it nothing else it just ends up being a sin of omission because people aren't naturally on the police's side come on man <laughs> really you think that so? you think so never not in any city i've ever seen <laughs> so um last so last year i guess uh they did oscar sundays and they did dog day afternoon uh, where it was Larry Karezowicz, I don't know how to say it, but and Al Pacino, and Al Pacino was like telling the story of everything that happened on Dog yeah. Day Afternoon. And uh, I found this clip where he's talking about John Cazale, 
like the um like his his friendship with him and the is uh, it Gazal or Kazali? And also, I thought I, I it was Lumet. I I've been saying that wrong my entire life. Yeah, it's it's Lumet. It's Lumet. I, I got that okay. wrong, and I think right. I think it's Casali. But um, so this is this is uh John John Casali. Like he's talking about his friendship with him and his inevitable demise, which is eerie in this movie that, you know, two years later or three years later, he'd be, you know, dead of cancer. And then in this movie he has the whole scene where he's saying he doesn't smoke because he doesn't want lung cancer. He doesn't want the cancer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that That's and, well. And it's funny. Cause like of the movies he was in, he's like the most Oscar nominated dude ever mm-hmm. <laughs> because they all are like complete bangers. Like every single one of them, like, you know, conversation, Godfather one and two dog day afternoon. Yeah, so a big, a big, part about, a big part about the story of this movie is that you know the robbery happened at the same time that the Godfather was in theaters, and right. um, as the as they're getting ready to go to the different places for the robberies, like you know because they, they they tried a bunch of places and failed pretty much, <laughs> and nobody apparently stopped them, but <laughs> they kept trying places. And one of the things they did when they were trying to find a Chase Manhattan bank to rob is that they watched the Godfather, and um, yeah, yeah, that's right. I heard about the note that. the note that he gave to the teller at the, like one of the banks was. Um, I've got an offer you like you can't refuse. Like yeah, so it was like so, right after the Godfather opened too. Like like yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but so, awesome. I guess right after the Godfather opened, but they do enough about it to be like, let's watch this so we can get jazzed up to go rob this bank. Yeah. And uh the guy telling the story, because I watched the dog, which is his like documentary about him that you know, it's like an hour <laughs> of him. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, what, what's that the, the john Cazale documentary what's what's that called i've been meaning to watch that i haven't seen oh it. there's um yeah yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember what that one's called but i did see that that's oh the documentary on on the guy the actual guy yeah the actual guy no I, I do know there's a john Cazale uh documentary. that that's called i knew it was you and that it's supposed to be great uh but i i always forget about it until like i i look at like Oh, who's got the most Oscar wins for their career? Oh, it's, oh yeah, or most Oscar nominations, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Don't be a dick. Yeah. So this is, uh, you know. I'm so glad you all came. Yes. Now uh, I want to ask, ask you a couple of questions about another person in the film. Uh, yes, John Cazale. Oh God. Seventeen-year-old or something. They were looking for a nineteen-year-old. Yeah, seventeen to nineteen-year-old guy to play the part to go in the bank with me. And Charlie mentioned John Cassell to me. What about John Cassell? I said, well, I think he's a little too old for that part. I was sitting once a young person. She says, give him a shot. That was my mentor, Charlie Lawton. And so I said, sure. So I told Sydney. And then they read him. And look what you get. He's fantastic. I want to say that Al is an actor who likes to ask a lot of questions. Oh, yeah, I guess. Oh, you remember the thing with, oh, yeah, with the homosexual. John Casale. <laughs> I remember that one. Uh, they said, because uh, I've worked with John. John and I did theater. We've been in the two Godfathers together. And we grew up, I worked with him at Standard Oil when I was 19 as a messenger. We were both messengers at Rockefeller Center. And he was a guy everybody liked. Love this guy. He was just so a good talker, very smart, you know, very, you know, he understood politics and stuff. And uh, I, I love the guy. And then I made a debut with him in a play called The Indian Wants to Bronze, which uh, made my career in, the, in New York and his. And then I just worked with him, just, I just worked with him all the time. I would always want to work with him. He starts saying, Oh, come on, Al, you've done it up together. You know? <laughs> 
because he was so interesting to work with. So, so just such a great guy. I loved him. And then he came to me one time. He said, hey, I'm doing, uh, you know, Dave's selling, forget the name of it, uh, great Shakespeare play in the park. I don't remember where it was uh, with Meryl Streep. So he comes to me and says, I'm doing, I, I've fallen in love. Mm. I said, yeah. He said, yeah, I've fallen in love with this girl, this actress. Nobody knew who she was. I said, oh, really? I thought, wow. And then he said, I'm such a great actress. So great. I said, Really? Okay. I said, see love, what it does. It makes a picture. <laughs> and then it gives Meryl Streep. I said, hey, he was right. <laughs> you know, oh my. And so, remember that. I had heard that he had asked, he, he would ask Lamette so many questions. So oh, oh God, I, I get into stories and I go, yeah, so he's asking Lamette. <laughs> We're here for the tangent. We want the tangent. So, uh, uh, Sydney said, because this is the way Johnny used to work. I mean, Johnny taught me so much. Right? But he, he say, uh, uh, why do I say uh, homosexual? I'm not homosexual. And Sydney says, well, and then he starts. And once John starts asking questions, <laughs> you know they go on. And I'm there on the set, and I'm thinking, okay, time to do other things for myself. <laughs> I go outside, take a walk around the corner. I'm fine. I come back, they're still arguing, questioning each other, until finally, Sydney is red in the face. He says to John, you do it because I tell you to do it. <laughs> and John said, oh, okay, why don't you say that in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Great, great, great. Um, now you wanted to be an actor your whole life, correct? Your your mother used to so, yeah. your mother used to take you to the movies and yes, of parts. Yes, yes, always. I, that's how I started. There was no television when I was born. I think I, there, there was radio. I guess, yeah. John Cazali, according to the internet. All right. Oh, I guess they got it wrong. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to me as long as he's actually Italian. Like, it would make more sense. I, I've heard it say both ways. I mean, I've heard yeah. Lumet and I've heard Lume as well. And Lume sounds like more like what a fancy director would sound like. But yeah, yeah no, it's Lumet. I, I always assumed it was Sidney Lumet because I was Lumet. like, oh, like he's a director. Lumet. It's got to yeah. be. But no, oh, 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 Sidney Lumet. The standard is Gold Lumet. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, puts on nothing but gold movies, you know, like, geez, Network's one of my favorites of all time, 12 Angry Men's, like, astounding, like, I mean, he's got an incredible track record. Yeah, I just realized I watched his final film, and uh, it was um, not, 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 it, it is not in this category, but like, uh, like, like the bones of the movie, like, like the performances and uh, the, the um, you know, the, the, the direction and all the, all of that stuff was just still fantastic, even though the script was meh. Right. I watched right, right. um I watched the pawnbroker last night, which is you know the the first. Uh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it's it's dark. It's kind of de like very depressing. It's uh it's not. It's definitely a lot different than this movie. It's definitely a lot different than his later stuff. Later yeah, that's like '64, right? Uh, yeah. He did he did that in Failsafe same year. I've seen but, Failsafe. Um, Failsafe's it's, really it's good. The, uh, it's the movie that smashed the Hayes Code pretty much on purpose. Yeah, his, yeah, yeah. His friends encouraged him because of uh, you know Lawrence of Arabia already having gay characters. They were like, well, let's you know we can probably like 
finally they the disintegrate the haze code if you get enough they they had a, they had a bunch of people that wanted to do that on the haze code board that were like you right. know, other directors and they're like listen just have some pretty like depraved shit in there and we'll and we'll try to get it through and if you get it through then you know the haze code doesn't really work anymore and you kind of just smash the code so uh you know there's like gate characters there's the like one of the you know the villain is like a black pimp and he's like very clearly a black pimp with like a whorehouse yeah. and like a yeah, and sure and like a he also has like a like a young white boy that he's like clearly sleeping with and <laughs> so. yeah it's all it's all implied you know i i just just looked it up for the hell of it 12 angry men which is in my top 50 if not top 20 movies it's his first film yeah that's freaking nuts i know it was based on a teleplay but holy crap that's that's like that's some wild stuff. I mean, that, his talented director, it, it, Andy, is the, is the last one the one he saw before The Devil Knows You're Dead? Is that? Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I've seen has, that. It was good. It has it has two Aunt Mays in it. You know, if, if you're into that, <laughs> it's, it's it's on the Aunt May scale. Of yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it's, it's got two of them. So you know, seven days in Aunt May. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no. Before The Devil, it's 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 a good movie. Uh, I, I saw it and I didn't realize that it was him. And, Say, I, and, I, and I and I liked it. I was like, oh, that was pretty good. And then I didn't really think that much about it. And I was like, wait, that was his last film. That was his last film. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know with uh, Twelve Angry Men if this is your experience with it too. But that's one of those movies you watch in like high school, yeah, or like uh, you know, like college or something, where it's like you're learning about like you know, like literature or whatever. And they're like, hey, let's throw on Twelve Angry Men. That's how. Well, I, I, I and like how to do a lot with a little because it all basically happens in a room right but like the performances are so amazing and like small things about like you know like how the shot is set up and how it changes over time and like causes like you know tension uh for the audience i mean it's it's incredibly impressive especially as a for a young man doing that like especially and uh and there's a lot of like uh, young girl man i know how young he was (laughs) he's just like a dude that was born old frankly the, the symbolism, the, the symbolism of like uh, you know, um, right. like above frame shots, like bird's eye shots versus yeah, you, know, like you can yeah, make yeah. it bigger, and then it's like oh, if you make like the court bench looks bigger, it look bigger, like you're uh, kind of plunged into this like expression expressionistic picture of justice, and it's like oh, all right, like this, uh, this is a good tip. Like it's like I wanted, and I know KT called uh, uh, "Women Talking" Twelve Angry Women," and I wish it was that good. Uh, I did not feel that way about Twelve. About, about, God damn it! About women talking, I, I thought it was fine ultimately, and but I, 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 I did not find it that compelling. And and I think that's a perfect classic example of how to do it in such a way that like you can have like something that could just be a stage play. And have it be a compelling movie, but it th- that didn't do it for me. And the reason, why, only reason I bring that up isn't to trash that movie because uh, I do like Sarah Polly a lot. It's, it's just to say that like it's harder than it looks to do something like that. Did yes. you uh, did you hear that they're having her do a, a the, the Disney remake of Bambi or whatever? Now I guess they Sarah Polly. Yeah, I, it's, it's not All right. Like, Sure. You know, you know, today uh, during during my kid went to the dentist and the uh, every TV at the dentist office was showing a different version of the Lion King. And the, the, one <laughs> the why that's is, actually why kind of rad. Of, why does that remind me of like a uh, that, that's like almost <laughs> performance art? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it gets better. It gets better. And, and in the operating room where, where, where uh, my kid was getting like uh, 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 some fillings in. Uh-huh. Um, they had the live action one, which which is just you know beige, like like nothing but beige on screen. Sure. And um, uh, like like uh, the the dentist had like actually a really good singing voice, and she was like 
singing the entire time. I just can't wait to be king. Except for when Akuma Kamikata came on and she was singing with that. Um, I, I feel like you were in a movie and you didn't realize it. Is, yeah, is kind what of was happening. Because like it sounds and very cinematic. The best what is part a dentist goes, if not uh, the king of lion? You know? True, true. You're like, this, this isn't going to hurt. Uh, you know, you're not going to feel this. You know, Well, like, you know, the, you got the nitrous. You know, you're good. We've look. We've all seen the documentary Little Shop of Horrors, right? Yes. <laughs> um, so there's so there's a bunch of behind the scenes uh, clips for this that I liked. Um, that people. Yeah, uh, let's get back to Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, which by the way, I did not real. I did not remember that this was as long as as it was, uh, because it doesn't feel long. Unlike most modern movies, where I'm feeling every minute, like oh my. Yeah, God. well, there's like you know the, the two plus hour <laughs> runtime or whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, what I kind of find fascinating about it is that the last 50 minutes is like, you know, it's it's them getting into the car. It's like uh, going yeah. to the airport. Like all of that takes actually way longer than it feels. That last but it's act. it's so it's so uh, it's so tightly done and, and like the the tension so great. Like you don't feel it. I mean, it just kind of it just kind of flies along. And and I'm not saying that aren't a couple parts of like, oh, this is kind of like on the slower side here. But like, again, I was shocked. I remember this being like a 90 minute movie and I've seen it. I think this is the third time I've seen it now. And like I was like, oh, this is over two hours. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Let me change it. Over the second picture I've done with him. Keeps you on your feet. Keeps you moving. Like uh, we had to do buses on this, police cars. Respected every one of them, went through the lights, through the siren number, through the color. Like these here things, you had to measure exactly the way the New York City Police Department is. And he's rough. He keeps me moving. Really working on his pictures are a pleasure, except for one thing, that you really can't rest with him. Huh? Next setup. Fellas! Now, fellas, you got to pay attention. I said guns I like down. Are... Guns down. The guns have already gone. Those, those are like two very different classic guys. Like the one guy's like, yeah, I was on the fucking set. And the other guy's like, I can't rest with him. I brought my boom in here and you know, I'm setting it back up. And he's like, oh, just me, me and Sydney, you know, we go way back. It's the fucking New York cop car. And he's like, yeah, yeah you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And the weird thing is it's like fat George Clooney telling us the story. <laughs> it's like inside, inside you are two wolves, right? <laughs> those no, are the, those that's are the for everybody. Guns are down. I told everybody. We go again. Muki Mungachi, still photographer, works on his seventh film with Lumet. And we really have fun on the picture. Who's the name again? On the 12 Angry Men. Yeah. Guns are down. And we. I told everybody. We go again. Muki Mungachi, still photographer, works Whoa. on his seventh film with Lumet. It's racist. I really have fun on the picture. Mookie I worked with him on the very first one, the 12 Angry Men. Guns are down, people. Pay attention. He's real fast on a draw. There's none, no two ways about it. He's right there. One, two, three. He sets up the scene for you. and It's a real pleasure to be with a guy that knows his stuff. Crowd. It's a real pleasure to be with a guy who does the stuff. Channeling that yeah, energy yeah. into motion pictures, the director is a virtuoso at staging controlled situations like this. He did it with 12 Angry Men, The Anderson Tapes, and Murder on the Orient Express. This film will be no exception. Lumet tells what it's like. This one sort of developed its own sort of white heat, and uh, finally, really, over the last three weeks, it was sort of pushing us. I was doing anything about it. Telling us sort of which is a lovely state to be in. 
Dog Day Afternoon. Lamette's new film is one of those stunning examples of the truth being so strange it becomes super fiction. When you see me disappear into the barbershop floor. It dramatizes a real and rather extraordinary bank robbery which took place in Brooklyn on a torrid August day in 1972. We are set. You tell me where you're rolling and I'll get out of the street. Shoot them. Damn the action. The film also reunites the Serpico team of Sidney Lumet and actor Al Pacino. What's he doing? Will you get back over there? What are you over there for? What's he doing? Look at him. Get over there. The stage of human dilemma of two hold-up men pushed into taking 11 people hostage and holding an army of police at bay, it helps to have a strong understanding between actor and director. Pacino, he's one of those rare talents. He's incapable of a fake moment of anything false happening. You can't beat him into it because he doesn't explode himself in any way. It works completely honestly. Al Pacino portrays a man driven to the very edge. His talent for being able to walk a fine line between explosive hysteria and controlled violence is a hallmark of his performances in Serpico, Scarecrow, and The Godfather. Lumet built his bank near the site of the actual robbery. We built the bank inside of a warehouse. We found this enormous empty warehouse. The street was perfect, and I wanted the street for exteriors. It was so, again, naturalistically recreated by Chuck Bailey, the art director, that literally, uh, the first four days, strangers stop by and uh, want to open an account. Is that you and El Greeno, old Bert? Yeah. We're in pond communication. Waiting on you. Oh, stop being the Mookie Mugachi over here. Well, I'm, I'm seriously fascinated by that. What, what's I, wild? Yeah, I like was looking at his IMDb page. He only goes by the name Mookie. M-U-K-Y. It's incredible. Can, yeah, and uh, I'm like, a there's classic a classic 12 Angry Men style guy. Like this one There's where... a New York Times article on him about how uh, like he, he's um, cinema's greatest photographer. Wow. Okay. You wouldn't I'm expect Mookie. it. Looking I no at idea. Him. Yeah, just Mookie. <laughs> you wouldn't expect Mookie it looking at him Mugachi. or hearing his name, Mookie Mukachi. But Mookie Mukachi. He, he may be cinematography is greatest still photographer. I like that he chose to shoot it basically close to where the actual thing happened. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um, I always kind of wonder for something like this where it's like you know not. Like, obviously, these days, everything's, like, CGI and, and sets anyway. But, like, you know, when you have to do practical effects for, like, literally everything, um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's like, wow, that's actually, they shut down the block to do this. So, it's like, where do they where do, they do this? Well, the, uh, not that far from where it happened. A little more uh, carefully, it looks like in the fucking French Connection or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> no, what do you mean? That's fine. Just go. Just you drive. Just drive very fast. You want what? What kind of job you have? In, if you don't have a union card, you don't have a union card. You just gotta, <laughs> just gotta send the car right down the fucking freeway. <laughs> Throw that in there. Yeah, I. Yeah, it's. Uh, I. I mean, it's incredible. I didn't know that it was based on a true story. Uh, first time I saw. It. First time I saw it, I was like young, and like the internet was like you know made of wood. <laughs> It was like a wood burning internet, uh, but uh, you know, like it's 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 interesting to see the depiction of it, and 
I honestly, I think this is one of Al Pacino's best roles of his entire career. And it's real early on for him, too. And I'm including The Godfather, which obviously I think Godfather and Godfather 2 are amazing. But, like, I love Heat. I think it's his performance here is better than it is in Heat. They're very different. Glengarry Glenn Ross, love him in that. I think it's better than that. Like, this is one of his best roles. And one of the reasons why is because he's acting. He's actually so, acting instead of doing the thing where he's, like, yeah. the guy doing the oh, stuff. Yeah. So, so this is, this is Great act! This is like this is actually kind of fascinating. I just noticed this. This is the actual article they based the movie on, right? Like uh, the article. He's great in Serpico too, but I think he's better in this. So they 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 found this article in um in Life magazine, this Poison yeah. the Bank thing about this cool. robbery, and that's what like inspired them to um write the to write the script. And within it, it says uh it, it describes him as having the face of an Al Pacino or a Dustin Hoffman. Like literally, that's their. <laughs> uh, oh, who? Because of course, because the Godfather's already out at that point. It was a huge surprise yeah. hit. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And I mean, wow. he kind of he does. He looks like Al Pacino right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can see it, especially like yeah, the guy's yeah, got young the baby face, like, baby you know. face Al Pacino. Yeah, yeah. It, um, it makes sense. <laughs> look at those prices on pickles. Forty nine cents. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it's only it's only a half it's only a half sour. It's a half um, half sour pickle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but like, so this is, this is like the, the opening. Look at these bylines by PF Cluj. What a name. <laughs> Cluj. A fouled up, a fouled up, hold up, move step by step. Everyone's step name sounds like an ethnic insult around this time for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the seventies in New York city. You know what I mean? Yeah, Everybody yeah, exactly. Kind of like, every, everything's, everything's coming to a head. Look, don't be such a Cluj. <laughs> Yumogachi. Yeah, well, what's actually fascinating about this movie, too, is uh, the time it came out. Because uh, in um, uh, 1975, uh, the networks and the FCC did the family hour because there there was uh, actually like like because um, there was a lot of like gay content on TV that was mm-hmm. like mod and, and whatnot uh, that portrayed gays very positively. And mm-hmm. they specifically did that so there wouldn't be any gay content on TV. Um and so during this vacuum, this film kind of came out because uh, that only lasted a year. And then um, uh, I think the following year they dropped it. And uh, like in 1970s. Because the Phil Shaffley's group was like pushing for, for that yeah. kind of stuff, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah. And they, was... they, they, got, they got really worried about that. So, so, so mm-hmm. they, they panicked and, and uh, stopped that. And then, like I said, the following year after they dropped it, um, like, like there's like a week solid of like really gay programming on uh network television oh um, just like this show <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's the queer hour over there on the movie night hey um, they got a rainbow flag of the logo <laughs> so it's, uh we woke it's pretty, it's pretty hilarious that this yeah we, we we're, we're doing uh we're doing pink capitalism <laughs> over here. yeah that thing i couldn't think of it <laughs> um no, so they're doing. Uh, so, so this guy had had joined the uh, you know the, the the gay alliance or whatever. Like he had joined that yeah. um, right after Stonewall, and he had been going yeah. to the village, and he had been married to the woman. The woman he's married to, uh, like the real woman, Carmen, actually sounds and looks a lot like the uh, theater friend that Al Pacino had like put into this movie. She's like this. She's now she's like massive. She's, but I heard she got all upset about the depiction at the time. Like she yeah. was like really like bummed out that like that's how she was being depicted. But. So, but he, so he left his, uh, we'll say loud wife and, uh, and, <laughs> and went into the, and he started, Oh, going, my wife, she's so loud. <laughs> so he started, <laughs> he, he started going into the, Andrew woke clay. 
Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite thing is not only did he just join, he joined the welcome committee so he could be the first person to have sex with people. Yeah. He, he, it's he like, like, oh, you're gay. Like, let's, let's. Yeah, no, that's that's one of the little nuggets. Oh, wow. The, uh, that's that's quite the angle. I never, never even thought about that. <laughs> it's like, damn, hey. He's, he's like, I got first, first dibs, day, I guess. Like, yeah. Um, Welcome aboard. So so he meets, uh, so he meets like uh, Eden slash, you know, the, the, the Leon character in this movie. Yeah. Um, well, you know, he meets him at the time, but then, you know, uh, she tells him that, you know, she wants, she wants to be uh, a woman and the, like she wants gender reassignment surgery. Yeah. And he's like, and he's really not into that idea at all because you know he's like I, I wanted a man with tits or something like that like yeah. the documentary is wild the documentary he's only 10 percent of his craziness makes it into dog day afternoon but um it, so it's all around that same time and it became this huge stunt that they pulled pretty much where they wanted to see if they could you know uh get to get themselves married at this gay church and um because you know the city at the time was like we're not going to marry anybody if you try to marry people you know we'll come after you you know fuck you like yeah, like basically, they said you'd be dis- disbarred and like uh, prosecuted. Basically, like I think it was was one of the things I read. Where yeah, so, so this this guy basically had a long history of gay activism at the center of this whole you know yeah. movement in the village, and that part of it, I think it's good that they don't kind of uh, include that into this movie, and it seems like it's kind of a it almost uh, you know it's it's like an everyman character rather than you know this, right. this guy that's been a a pretty fucking insane uh, gay radical like. <laughs> well, but I think it works better. It works yeah. better as a film that way, I think, because yeah, yeah. because you Pacino is giving it like a you know an incredible performance, and but like you kind of don't have a frame of reference at first. Like it is genuinely jarring when you're like, oh, that's why he's robbing the bank. Oh, Jesus. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Like that was like one of the first exposures I had to even like the idea of uh, someone being transgendered, uh, let alone there being like surgery for it. And let alone historically, like how anybody would <laughs> deal with that in the early seventies. And, um, you know, but I like that it's, I mean, first of all, it's logical, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot, you need money to do that. And then it's presented as, it's just the thing. It's not, the defining thing of the character it's just a it's just a part of it's a motivating a catalyst uh for the character and, and that, i think uh, that that's important and the chris sarandon um <clears throat> like the voice he uses and everything that like very kind of high pit like that's the actual like he sounds exactly like like the, the guy actual, the actual uh you know but um, i think i think it would have diluted the impact if he'd come out being like oh this guy's a big uh activist in gay rights culture and this and that etc like that would be like if someone made it now because they feel like you have to give someone's life story before you ever yeah. see them on screen where it's like i don't care about any yeah. of that and not only that like like no not just just uh al pacino's character but but um the character of sal is yeah. like such a great cipher because like uh everybody is kind of like saying who sal is throughout the film right and like <laughs> Sal just seems like this kind of like, like, like absolute uh, cinnamon bun of a human being. Yeah, yeah, just standing uh, around, you know, whatever. You know, yeah. well, thinking Wyoming's a country. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The most, yeah, exactly. The most defining characteristic of thinks Wyoming is a country. So he's not the sharpest tool. To <laughs> I'm, I'm with the guy that thinks Wyoming's Wyoming is a country. You know, you think you got problems? Yeah, um, but I, I love that. That's a reference because it is something where you're like, what Wyoming? <laughs> <laughs> like like what country wyoming yes but but th- th- that's part of the the the, the uh, interesting thing about that character because like yeah um uh everybody else is painting him like this big bad villain and yeah oh hell, he of, kills people he's crazy he's, he's and, nutty and he's just yeah. like like i don't smoke because i don't want to get the cancer and yeah. then like they, they're laughing which again him. cruelly ironic concerning how he died of course but yeah yeah like but, but he seems yeah. to be a, a pretty like 
caring individual. I don't know if it's the correct mm-hmm. term, but like definitely not somebody who would have central casting to rob a bank. Yeah. Well, but, and, but like, like know, the beauty it, of it is, is that that he's they, they left it so open that that you can interpret. Uh, you know, you can see how the police could yeah. also interpret like uh, uh, mis uh, you know mis- misgivings of, of his character, uh, but sure. like also like how the um, you know uh, that that one woman like right before he gets shot, you know, hands him that uh, diamond necklace and just like, yeah, I hope this helps you out. You know? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. In her well, little and you also, voice. you also see it as kind of a dynamic of like good cop, bad cop, and then also good criminal, bad criminal, which is kind of a fascinating because right. they have the one guy that's the fucking guy that tried to steal Kermit's legs, uh, you know, in, in the Muffin movie. <laughs> that was the same dude. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, why do I hate this guy so much? Like, there's something just embarrassing <laughs> there's, me. There's, I, and I was like, I was like, oh shit, he's he tried to steal fucking Kermit's legs. It's oh, a yeah. Frog Legs restaurant guy. That guy sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He also put on like a lot of weight after this movie too, because like, like yeah. he was, um, you know, he was not thin in this movie, but like, you know, you could think he could run up a, a flight of stairs. Um, he, has a, he has a very like uh, J Edgar Hoover face. That's what I'd call it. Like he has that. Yeah. <laughs> but um well well i like that while we're still talking about john Cazale real quick from my understanding like it was written to be like a smart ass kid like yeah. like a, a little streetwise kind of like you know uh, like wisecracker and like there's like kind of just the sadness almost to like sal which i i think like it, it, it like wants you to like you want to know more about this dude like what's this dude's whole deal of the fact that he doesn't want to be called gay on the news <laughs> Well, like there's a you know there, there's there's a part of it. Well, I mean, which also makes sense if he, if he's gonna go back to prison, you don't want you know yeah. like yeah. oh those are those two gay guys from the news. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like th- there's this part of it where you know he uses his friend for insurance, which makes sense, kind of right. Like right. He's, he's the one that's inside. And he's like yeah, like you have to talk to that guy off on the phone and be like that guy's crazy. He like I don't control him. Like he might just start popping hostages if i don't come back in five right minutes. building him up like he's some maniac right where it's, it's yeah. where, but, but it's great because he's the guy that's not there so like how do they yeah know, but you no know? he's that comes out and he's like look i don't know what my friend's gonna do but then it, it makes it kind of insanely tragic that uh of course they take that at face value like that guy really is like that and they're like yeah. oh that's the guy we have to deal with to like you know get the other guy to right. calm down and he kind of said like and, and obviously he doesn't see that he's doing that throughout it but like uh, you know at least until the guy's like well we'll deal with your friend but it, they almost treat it like he's being held hostage by uh by sal apparently by the way the wyoming line was an ad lib and like sydney limit like Almost ruined the take because he laughed so hard when it happened, <laughs> which I would too, to be fair. <laughs> but they made it also seem like the the whole um, "I'm not a homosexual" thing was kind of an ad lib too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in that in that clip, where he's like, he's like, "Why am I? Why am I? You know, I'm not. I'm not gay. Why are they saying I'm gay?" And it's like, <laughs> well, and that's one of the things I dig so much about it, like the total unpredictability of the plot, and like there's just no cliches at all. Any, 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 anywhere to be found in here. That's one thing yeah, that makes it a I great think film. He's also the Onion article. Um, you know, why, why, are, <laughs> why all these homosexuals keep sucking my own dick? <laughs> That's right. I forgot but, about um, that one. The, the other, the other thing that's funny is the real guy, the real Sal. His name was Sal, but you know what his name was? What? Sal Natural. That's what the name that he went by. God damn it! <laughs> wow. Okay. And the three, the three of them were gay. So, like, yeah, you know, the, yeah, yeah. The, the whole story about them wanting to. Um, uh, bang Sound Natural guy. and Mookie Mugachi are uh, going to have <laughs> a, uh, a little hangout. They were all trying to bang the third guy, like the, the yeah, guy yeah, the, yeah. The, the third guy, <laughs> and the guy's like, I don't want to have sex with Sal. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like, but but you had sex with John. Right, he's like, right. I didn't want to have sex with John either, and he's he's like, you, you son of a bitch. 
Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, that, now, uh, next thing you know, it's a Greg Araki movie. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> the documentary The Dog is literally like this guy's life story is fucking insane. Like he yeah. goes from a he goes from a Goldwater uh, Vietnam vet. Like a gold, like he, he went to the Republican convention and vo- and like was one of the people that nominated Goldwater at the Republican convention. And then wow. he's like, oh, well, now I want to be a liberal McCarthy guy. And he gets his dick yeah. sucked in the in, in in the Vietnam War or something. Yeah, like yeah, that, that story about his first homosexual experience is amazing. <laughs> yeah, he like wakes up and his dick really sucked. And he's like, that feels great. Keep doing it. And yeah. Yeah, to, to, what, like, to whatever young man did that, we thank you for your favorite, service. My favorite part though is it's like he's like, there's this country bumpkin named uh, Wilbur. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, um, uh, and and I was having this great dream that I was getting my dick sucked, and I woke up and I was getting my dick sucked, and I'm like, well, what are you doing? And he's like, does it feel good? And he's like, yeah, keep on going. <laughs> well, the, the, this this movie is wow. his narrative. It's his narrative and his mom, who you know, he went back and he moved back in with his mom after jail and everything, and his yeah, two hours his of prison boyfriend with him. Yeah, he brought his prison. He had yeah, yeah like you do. Or, you know. And uh, and they, they did a bunch of promotional stuff for like Dog Day <laughs> Afternoon, and it was like the you know his original wife that's like I'm his wife, and then it's like you know uh, like the Eden character she's like I'm his wife, and then the guy's yeah. like and I'm his wife. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's 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 a, it's a Monty Python skit suddenly, right? <laughs> I, I mean, it's just a, just an insane movie. It's it's free on um I think it's Tubi. It's free. Yeah, yeah, uh, you Tubi. Can watch it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think also well, but the thing is, like, this is a this is a really strong cast. Like, even like another thing I was thinking about with like heist movies and things like that is you, like, the power dynamic is so different. Like with the with the hostages, right? Because I mean, you have like, um, uh, I I forget the character's name, but like like the head the the head woman, <laughs> right? Who's sort of just like, well, whatever. It's good for you know, like like I'm. What am I doing? It's they no thing. And then it's like giving advice and stuff. And then, then like there's that that line of um, you know, like uh, uh, oh, you're out here. Why don't you you know stay out here? Just like you know, just be be released. It's like I'm not going without my girls. Yeah. Which is like, oh, cool. That's and so that tells you a lot what you need to know about that character whose name I'm completely forgetting right yeah. now. But uh, yeah, she's right. She's the mouth. The mouth. She's the mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and, and um, like, like the thing is, is the cast is so stacked that like you have Lance Sylvia. Sil- Sylvia is is the proper name, but yeah, the mouth. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, cast the is other... so stacked. You have you have Lance Hendrickson and, and uh, Carol Kane, who are both fantastic. Yeah, Carol Kane. Yeah. And they're barely, you know, they barely yeah. do anything in this movie. It's it's like a small, yeah, it's a small thing, but it's like they it's it all adds to the tapestry. It, it's that's it's such a rich world. Yes. It's also like the one time I've seen Carol Kane play the straight woman, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, right. She, it's like the one time that she's like, she's she not like being weird. Yeah, <laughs> for like three seconds. I mean, she's so great at it. Why would she? Looking forward not? to her on Star Trek being weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like also. There's like kind of the camaraderie that happens uh, with the hostages and them because he's also like a former bank teller, and you, and yeah. you kind of you find that out really early on. Uh, you know through their conversations it's like oh you know a lot about this uh did you work in a bank and then he's yeah. like how much do bank tellers make you know uh you know like 110 dollars a week or something like yeah you know, the whole scene where he's rousing them like you realize there's a camaraderie of like this is just a bank teller that's snapped and the real guy too you know yeah. he had met his wife being a bank teller and um he was a bank teller that snapped and was like i could rob a bank uh so you you kind of you, it, it kind of processes it almost clicks because there's like this populist uh route like yeah and, and the tellers are like actually yeah now that you mentioned we don't make that much money <laughs> you know like it's like they're on their side like and that and that works so well because it's again 
I think a lot of movies try to do this populist bent where like, oh, well, they're you know, they're on the side of the of the robber. And then it doesn't it's not earned. You're just like, all right, so okay, people are just doing something because the plot needs them to. But here it's totally earned all around. Yes. Like the pizza guy is like, what are you what are you doing? Like you're giving now you're giving me a tip. Do you want to take these pizzas first or or not? <laughs> you know, like I okay, you're giving me money, sure, that's fine. Right on, this is wild. It's, you know. Well, uh, I, there, there's the element of kind of being in the TV age where everything's a news event, and I think yeah. that you know, uh, City Lamette would go on a year later after this movie was released, obviously to make network, and it's good all time. Yeah, a subject that's that's on his mind throughout this, right? Like the, yeah. the characters thinking of themselves as. Uh, characters on TV, like wanting to be these small time celebrities, at least for their like, like if, if I'm going to be, you know, a hostage, I might as well also, you know, get my uh, little celebrity thing out of it. Of course, it gets really dark. Um, the uh, like, like later on when you actually watch like the documentary of it or something where he comes out of uh, a prison and he's still wearing his like, because he becomes like the dog, like that's his um, like his, his thing because because of the movie Dog Day Afternoon. Right, so it's right, like, sure. It's very meta. Like it's in real life. He's kind of this character and he walks around and he tries to apply to Chase Manhattan Bank and he's like as security uh, yeah. after he gets out of prison. He's like, well, who's better to be the prison than someone? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's that old Von Mott. Yeah. And um, he, he ends up getting kicked out of like the Chase Manhattan Bank in Brooklyn because they're like, well, he's trying to make money off of his robbery. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, the, like the, there's questions that get raised, like, you know, like uh, Warner Brothers gets to make m- money off this movie. Right. Like they get to make hun- like, hundreds yeah, of I mean, dollars, um, but nobody holds them to account. But he's still kind of trying to do like this weird populist bit where he's like, can't the little guy get some money out of this, too? Like, you know, for uh, if Warner Brothers is going to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, not only is he going to be a guard, he's going to be like. Hey, you want to meet the guy from Dog Day Afternoon? Yeah. Right here. And he's right. doing that in front of the bank with like this camera crew. He's still getting people to sign. Yeah. And he, he fact that she found somebody who was there that day. Yeah. I mean, and also, look, think, think about where, where we're at now. Like, I'm trying to think, like, what was the, uh, um, what was the net the Netflix show that uh, the chick from Ozark was uh, playing that grifter, that famous grifter, the socialite? Uh, but you know what I'm talking about. Everybody was like freaking. Um, uh, I'm talking about uh, Julia Garner. I can't remember. I just can't remember the. Um, you, know, you guys remember what I'm talking about? Uh, big the big shows on network. I uh, Netflix I ever watched was the uh, the Marvel shows. Okay, well, bully for you. Uh, <laughs> no, like it's. Uh, I mean, it was it was a big it was a big deal for a while. But she was play, uh, Anna uh, inventing Anna inventing Anna is what it was, which is the um, the the Anna Delvey doc. But like that was yeah. a real life. Okay. Like fraudster, like high level fraudster, and and like heiress and stuff. But like, you know, whatever. She's she's allowed to run around and and like. I mean, I think she was even on like uh, uh, Cole James Cash's show, if I remember correctly. Uh, that like, and and, and, and it was on uh, on on there and hung out with them, like right right around the time of her trial. Yeah, I, and it's like that's. I guess what I'm saying is is like that kind of of thing is just like that's natural now like it's like of course you can probably unless unless it's like you know murder maybe i don't know but for like a, like like money crimes that seems to be like just part of the know. ecosystem oj, well, OJ she put out her, that book her, if her i get thing, it <clears throat> she scammed she scammed like exclusively like multimillionaires pretty much so, right like yeah everyone's like well i don't give a fuck yeah, about yeah, that yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> a, a, much, a much darker a much darker example is you know Kyle Rittenhouse turning himself into a, a yeah, sure. celeb for the right or something and getting to go on all these shows because he's a fucking murderer. And it's like, with, there, there's a lot less, uh, I think, violence. What Sidney Lumet gets into big time with a great script from Patty Chayefsky in 
Network, everybody. But there's a there's a lot less. I, I don't. Nobody was really hurt by this, right? Like I think people yeah. were traumatized by this. But but I could see at that time it being something where they were like, no, no, you know, we're, no way. Uh, whereas now it would just be like, well, of course, yeah, like we, we'll do it just for like the you know the 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 tweets you know we'll I mean, do it just I, for the, i think, <laughs> the I think event. at this time though there was a lot uh there was enough of the oh, of course we're gonna do this for you know publicity enough of that the people are like wait what the fuck is this society like evolving into so it was kind of like the, yeah. the, the seed of that moment where it's like eh, at some point like you know there's there's a lot of like big uh you know like wall street criminals they they still get you know rehabilitated every day like why not rehabilitate this fucking gay guy from uh you know that, that tried to rob a bank unsuccessfully. Well, it's, I mean, it's kind of wild. Like, reasons too, like like the yeah. reasons is what makes it uh, you know a fascinating story. You know, uh, like like that's the hook right there. You know, because um, because again, it's like uh, who's who's actually the the uh, the bad guy here. Well, and it's like you mentioned earlier. It's kind of amazing that the real Sonny and Sal watched The Godfather. Before doing the actual yeah. crime, and then was it three years later? Then like Al Pacino and John Cazale are like playing versus themselves. That that's a nut. That's nuts. I mean, that's to the point where like, like the letter, the letter that he gave to like the the bank teller, literally was like, "I'm yeah. making you an Need offer you can't refuse." Like, yeah, amazing. <laughs> yeah, love it. Also, um, I, I love the fact too that that they never got the money for uh, the surgery. However, the movie funded the surgery for for um, yeah. Uh, yeah for for Eden. And and she and she finally uh, she was like you know he didn't actually he claims I don't actually believe this because she's she's dead now so he can say whatever he yeah. wants he claims that he didn't want the movie to get made and he's like I don't want them to make a movie about me I don't believe that I think that that guy one hundred percent wanted them to make a movie about him sure. Al- he wanted to star <laughs> in the movie yeah. <laughs> yeah well for sure and it's like oh no and like oh and a young Al Pacino fresh off like you know the godfather's playing you okay i'm in you know but, uh, like, how but can they, you say they, no to that yeah. they brought him to like lewisburg which is like one of the most violent prisons in the country and uh so like once he got in there and was kind of walking around being all cocky like they're making a movie about me like they literally tried to stab him okay but, uh, and but, that's interesting we're not talking about the documentary though we're talking about dog day no, afternoon so we can but, but get back to the movie at some point just to bring back to dog day afternoon he got yeah. the uh in, he got it to show the inmates there in prison Dog Day Afternoon, uh, as part of his deal. I wonder um, how yeah. the Attica chant went there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's, that's probably why they didn't want it to be shown. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Good ideas. Yeah, yeah. Attica, Attica. Ooh, ooh, ooh. no, no, no. Whoa, no. <laughs> um, Yeah, but it's like, I, but I. So, so my point in bringing up uh, not just the documentary, but like my point in bringing up the real life story. Oh, it's interesting. Is, well, is that well, no, is that it, it's kind of this um, like. In, in Dog Day Afternoon, right, Like they see themselves as, as these characters on TV or they'd like to, you know, take that yeah. and make that, that their big moment, which, of course, everybody does, like, in real life. But, um, but like, there's, so there's a moment where, like, the mouth goes back in and she's like, I'm going back in there. And she's talking to the cameras and she clearly loves it. And he clearly loves it. Like, he realizes he has a whole back and forth with the camera, you know, people out there and everything. And it's kind of fascinating that it's like life imitates art, imitates life, imitates art. And I think that Sydney, Sydney Lumet, one year later with Network, would get absolutely like so deep into that uh state of like that psyche like he's clearly thinking about those issues um at, you know ahead of time and obviously it's patty chivesky that uh you know wrote network it's not wrote it, but... but like um because he actually co-wrote the script to this one i think but like um 
yeah, it's kind of it's kind of fascinating. He's clearly thinking about that media moment and those issues between you know um, all of us. As and it as resonates as well. so yeah. well that it forty years later, forty five years later, whatever, it, it uh, still works, and it still is like, oh wow, this is prescient, right? Prescient's the correct term for that. And there's even things like um, like what's what's the line he says? Um, Man that kills me. I hope he does it because he hates my guts, not because it's his job. Yeah, it's like ooh. Man, like that's like a real just like stab right into the heart of like the whole back of the blue <laughs> argument right there. It was like, fuck. Well, especially especially like, looking at uh, FBI, right? Like not yeah. just like because, uh, you know, the street cops are these kind of bigoted, weird fucking, uh, you know, like kind of depraved, like almost, like criminals themselves, right? Like, and and the, well, blue, I meant back the blue as in law enforcement, not no, specifically know, New York City. Saying, but, yeah. two, <laughs> but but you get the two, um, their their roles are weirdly reversed in this movie. But like, yeah. you get like the street cop that's like, you know, just trying to like, it would be a big deal if he was the one that ended this hostage situation. It's right. probably not a big deal if the FBI guy does, right? Like, yeah, there, this, there are this these, is a job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's these two levels of law enforcement that you get there. And um, it's kind of fascinating that, like, the FBI, I think, level of it is, like, the guy that, like, he doesn't get, like, he, he has no opinion on, you know, you know, he's like, oh, there's a crime. And if I can shoot the person and end the hostage situation, I will. But, like, it's different, I think, than uh, the guy that actually seems to feel uh, deeply every every single slight he gets from both, uh, you know, Sonny and the FBI and everything yeah. else. And Kermit when he tries to take his legs. <laughs> and then later on, Kermit the Frog, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I mean, and there, but there's a lot of great lines that, um, you, you know, they're, they're so, like, matter of fact. Like, the the, the whole, like, the, the kiss me man line is kind of amazing, too. Because yeah. can you imagine also just, like, living in that era and not having any kind of representation? And, and like, seeing, like, you know, like, oh, damn. All right. This is real. and I'm even talking about like, you know, I think Cruisin's a, a very flawed movie. Uh, it's very much of its time. I think it's a good movie, but I think it's like it has some <laughs> not for me to call them like uh, bad portrayals, but it has some very cliched portrayals uh, here and there for uh, a, a subculture that at the time was uh, very much demonized in every aspect of media. Uh, but it, just again, the low keyness of it, right? The fact that it doesn't start off with being like, "Oh, this guy is an activist and he does all this stuff," and he's he's on the welcoming committee, and which means he gets first pick of the litter, uh, which is hilarious, by the way. I mean, that's great. And well, he gets yeah. he gets the uh, you know the, the yuck yuck. Uh, just came into town, and yeah, I, and, yeah. I, and I realized I'm gay for the first time. Right, right, exactly. They they oh. get get some other excited. I mean, um, I, I, yeah, but but also they kind of subtly uh, reference all this stuff with like you know the, right. the fact that the. the the marriage between him and um it's it's, it's implied and when it's when it's told it's in favor of the greater story which is what makes it such a great movie because but, it's, but not, it's, also it's, it's that, not exposition drops is what well, I'm saying. it's also something that was um highly uh controversial within yeah. the gay community right like because sure. at this mm -hmm. time they're like hey <clears throat> maybe maybe our goal should be just you know uh you can have sex with another man and the and the cops can't come and like just beat the shit out of you like yeah. maybe that should be the goal maybe not you know gay marriage is something that came along later and this this moment was kind of defying uh that convention and, and it was a big deal so they they do talk about that on tv um right yeah well and it's i mean it's all like in the zeitgeist around this time too and it's yeah and again there wasn't any consensus about any of it yeah so um so i got more behind the scenes I got uh, I got some more behind the scenes with uh, you know more Mookie, <laughs> yeah, more, more, more Mookie Mugachi over here. 
He's uh, he goes in there. He goes in there, and he's like, "Hey, uh, I'm Mook." And they're like, "Mook? What's a, what's a Mook? What's a Mook? Mooky Mookachi? Amazing! I mean, what a name." We're in pond communication, waiting on you. You get into position for C. A banner headline story that hot day in August, actually watched by millions on television. Bizarre events are authentically detailed in this screenplay about a bold attempt by a pair of totally ineffectual amateurs. Now, now, here's your toilet. It's for you. What? Telephone call. For you. John Gazelle, who played Pacino's brother in The Godfather, is the other bank robber. They worked for seven weeks, both day and night, finishing three weeks ahead of schedule. It is his relationship with people like cinematographer Victor Kemper and the rest of the crew that enables Lumet to do this and frees him to concentrate on his actors. There's such a connection between Al and myself that at the end of the day, he looks over and he knows whether we're going to go with another one or I'll know whether he wants another one. Because you develop a terrific shorthand, you find a... Uh, an immediate kind of response. The communication is so uh, intuitive. He feels totally secure in the most personal exposure with me. And I feel the same with him. And uh, that's something that time and working together, only that can take care of. Nothing else can give you that. The movie had to be done not even in a realistic style, but a naturalistic one. Your attention had to be on that literally every frame. The film shows it in the sense that it's incredibly detailed, despite a totally improvisational feel about it. Movie driver? Yeah. I, I want to check it out. At no moment does it ever bridge into what, in my opinion, is exploitive. These seats come out? No, I bolted. You, you the man. I, I was watching. I saw you, man. <laughs> you should see yourself. You wouldn't believe it. I believe it. Then there was the question of, of how to keep it humanized, keep it from being freak time, and still without fudging the issue. There's no point in doing a movie about a guy who holds up a bank and holds nine people hostage for 13 hours and, and say, well, he's just like you and me. He's not like you and me. So how to how to find the human dilemmas in terms that we can understand? But even Sidney Lumet's control on the location can be limited, especially when it comes to the elements. Temperature drop so forth so on and so forth and forward you come and we carry him forward right he starts over to there okay people let's settle down here we go take your place hold the clock comes quiet comes off have all attention here now this row of police should be back further where i placed you yesterday back to the second row of cars nobody's up this road i love it i I, and another thing I love in referencing what it does in 12 Angry Men, uh, you really get a sense of the claustrophobia, especially when the lights go out. 
Like, you really get a sense of, like, oh, yeah, it's hot as hell. Everyone's tired and, like, angry. <laughs> yeah, and there's, and there's definitely similarities uh, to something like 12 Angry Men um, in, the, in the sense that, you know, the dynamics between these characters kind of trapped in a room. Uh, of right. course, you know, he gets to go out at times and uh, meet other characters, and there's, like, a, um, a dynamic there with, like, almost like a Shakespearean crowd in some ways. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, like, the, to, like the, the Greek chorus almost yeah. of, of the crowd. Yeah, yeah, totally. But um, but like, and it's kind of also like an audience substitute, I guess. But um, the, the, like within the rooms, right? Like, there's these characters that are kind of just stuck in the situation, and you know, knowing that he's the director that you know directed Twelve Angry Men, you can kind of see like a resonance between that and um, and and the, and the story within this room. I mean, and like again, I'm a fan of a- action. Obviously, like it's 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 not like I I am anti action. Like, but it, it's it's amazing how much is done with very little action uh in the in the in the movements and the blocking like it, it's 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 all told by uh there we go i was gonna say by just like <laughs> you see people's faces and their reactions to things you know like and i'm uh, just i'm messing around with the uh the 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 screens on here because i wanted to see where i get the one that's <laughs> that does the uh i these ones are kind of too rectangular i feel like yeah 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 like i yeah yeah i, I like i like the um what I'm doing for Protonic is use the skinnier ones, but yeah, but um, but like, but it's it's something that again, one of the reasons why uh, you know, because is like so great, like it brings this deep sadness to the role, and like you know why it's why it's one of the great Pacino roles too, because it's like you, it's just like he's so kind of like, and he's not unhinged, but he's definitely forceful. Like it's a very it's a guy who's very confident with what it is that what he's doing, even though you maybe don't have the full idea of what it is he's doing at first. To the yeah, point and, that like they're using their real names and stuff in the beginning, you're like, I was like, oh, you're doing all the things that we as the modern movie watcher know you don't do any of these things during a heist. Yeah, because they're, they're, they're like real amateur about it. Yeah. And, um, no, but there's also kind of the fascinating thing that uh, you know the whole uh, Sal Natural, which is kind of it's such a funny Sal name. Natural's but like great, uh, yeah. the, you know, the Sal character has been to prison before, and if he was played by like a 19 year old, is it like you know as yeah. it was written already in the script, that wouldn't necessarily be as believable as John Sal. No. Where he's like, uh, he's like, I'm gonna kill myself, you know, before I go back to prison. Like, I'm not gonna let myself go back. And it's like, oh, like this is a man that's kind of probably he's like a felon. He spent his life, you know, uh, behind bars, and like now he's he's doing this. And, and you see that sadness painted on his face, right? You see that sort yeah. of just like resting sadness, like and and like that guy was so good at, do, at doing that. I mean, even like in like stuff like something like the Deer Hunter, where it's just like you're like, oh, like the like, guy looks haunted for whatever reason. Well, even in uh, even in you know the Godfather. And oh sure, the Godfather yeah. too, which is not a movie known as necessarily for emotional resonance but like there's something just so <laughs> right. there's something so sad and like submissive about uh you know like the, the fredo character where he's um you know like like when he lets fucking uh tom green or whatever uh like beat him around and yeah. he's like you know he's like no it's okay he does it to everyone I, he he just straightened me out like there's this submissiveness to that character and it's in this movie too um but you also get like that that di- the dynamic between him and albertino where he's just another problem that albertino's character sees that he has to solve over and over again like you know like he, he's like he's not helping him he's kind of holding down uh the <laughs> the whole robbery situation and it's like yeah <laughs> i mean he, he's basically used as like a you know a, a, a threatening tulpa uh which which ultimately kind of colors the end of the movie somewhat but then by the same token um yeah as the actual person well and, and like from the beginning right it was not supposed to be a two-person job even <laughs> 
<laughs> but like, what other ice movie can you think of where someone's like, I'm out. I'm bailing. <laughs> let, let me out of here. Oh, okay, and, cool. Well, I mean, you know, the thing in, in modern heist movies, if someone did that, you'd have to, you know, write it to the script. You know what? Let's just fucking, like, blow that guy's brain Yeah, out. that so, guy would get killed or be yeah. immediately captured or something. In this case, he's just like, nope, just gone. Just mm-hmm. out the door. Well, wait, let him out. The real story, he, he actually get out of yeah. there and then later arrested after, uh, you know, after everybody else was. He, he got arrested, too? Eventually, yes. And, uh, you know, he's he's actually the one that they kind of, I think, had to go to. For a lot of the information about you know the to to make this movie, I mean, uh-huh. he like he he was kind of still the real uh, guy, large and like yeah, like the, you know to get the the background on what happened during this because you know uh, little John little John Basso as he called himself was already fucking in prison by that point uh, by the time they're making this movie and then already out of prison the year that this movie came out, which is kind of crazy. Some real he, Mookie Mugachi stuff right there, if you ask me. He only, he, he only <laughs> ended up getting five years, which, you you know, you think for not not the fact that anything he did, because he didn't actually, you know, hurt anybody uh, throughout this, but, like, you think for the spectacle, I guess, that he created and yeah. for the level of media attention, he, he originally got 20 years. And then yeah. at the end of the 20 years, they're like, listen, you were so whacked out on, uh, like, meds and stuff when you were in the fucking thing. We're just going to we're going to parole you on the first, you know, whatever and let you go back into the world. So I, the, the notoriety, I guess, probably both hurt and helped in the end. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, and so did his uh, prison boyfriend, who was in there for like extortion and and kidnapping and and uh, uh, some other violent uh, uh, things. Who's also like a prison lawyer. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he he seems to have a knack for finding like the right you know the right people to you know magically fall in love with. Yeah, because like the thing is, is like <laughs> nobody would mess with this guy because he was he was actually you know he was he was a tough guy. He was known for like you know beating people up and and cutting people. He was and, also yeah. black. He's also black and Irish and had yeah. like, these like, these like blue like these blue Irish eyes and then like this uh, you know like like he he, he looks black until you looked into his eyes and the eyes were like this bright blue like uh, you know like Irishness to it. He's a he's an interesting looking guy. Yeah. No. And. Uh, uh, you know, he's also big. I mean, like, like the guy's really tall. Um, but, uh, but like, not not to talk about the the documentary again. It's just, um, it's it's kind of fascinating. Well, no, but it's like the the whole life imitates art thing playing out again, right? Yeah, like, yeah. The notoriety that this guy gets from you know uh, this televised a uh, televised hostage situation. I mean, pretty much like is is all that it is. And like you know the the notoriety that he gets from the televised hostage situation ends up not just defining the rest of his life. But, you know, and turning him into, like, this minor celebrity that's like, oh, you're the dog day guy uh, because this movie got made. But, like, yeah. also um, also kind of helping him, uh, you know, get rehabilitated in a way that I think if he was just some guy that nobody paid attention to the hostage situation and, you know, it wasn't like a, a big thing to turn into a movie event. I feel like you probably would have just been buried in jail for the rest of his you know, prison for the rest of his existence. Like, Or if he got out, he probably would have gone back in for doing something violent. Right. I mean, and, and, and like, uh, imagine, like, because isn't the, uh, what was that, that feature was called, like, The Boys in the Bank or something. It isn't called Dog Days Afternoon, right? If yeah. If I remember correctly. Yeah. That, I mean, what if they, like, called it that <laughs> instead, you know? Like, it's like, you would his whole identity would have been. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the boy. I'm Johnny <laughs> oh, okay. Boy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really like Backstreet like Backs about me. Yeah, <laughs> precisely. Stay I well, but a golden pony boy. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's. I think it's. It 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 does a rare thing too that um, it gets you to like 
flat out root for the the protagonist. I was going to mention Phil Lynott actually when you said when you said uh, the Irish black Irish uh, Thin Lizzy, of course. True heads will know um, that. What was I going to say? Oh, that um, you get like the sweatiness of it. Right, especially again, especially after the lights go out, like they, and there's no AC, and they're just sitting there, just sweating, sweating it out, and it's like, and, and you're like, oh yeah, I could get, you know, where you're trying to like thread the stone needle here. And I mean, the seventies <laughs> was a very sweaty decade. Too. It was a like, sweaty like, decade, yeah. Just uh, you know, nice that they captured on film because like movies about the seventies never get as sweaty as as uh, the seventies. Yeah, were. everyone's very put together and and whatnot. And it's like, oh no, this this would have been like. You you could you could smell this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you can like. <laughs> well, and and that's the whole kind of good cop bad cop thing. Uh, you know the the one cop that is the street cop. You know, just yeah. in the NYPD or whatever. That's just kind of some you know that that wants to solve the hostage situation and get the credit for it. Pretty much, like uh, he's kind of like the good cop. He's like, oh, you know, I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to get you things, and he's completely lost control of the situation. And right. finally, at, you know, at that point where it turns to night, and the FBI has to like you know take control of it. The FBI's techniques are way more like we're going to make it miserable in here. We're going to, you know, cut the power, cut the elect- like we're not going to make sure that like we're going to make sure that there aren't there isn't any um, air conditioning in here. And everybody's right. just sweaty and gross. We're going to make it hell to be in here, which was not the case for the first few hours because this cop's just like, you know, if we make it pleasant enough to be in there, maybe I can, you know, salvage my career here. Wow. So the actual cell was 18. Sal natural. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I wouldn't have liked it as much if he was, was eighteen. That, that would have changed the power dynamic. Uh, yeah, very, very few eighteen-year-olds could have uh, pulled off what uh, you know what what, what uh, John Cazale or Cazal did, did in this film. You know, That's not wild. not everybody can jump out at like a young age and and just uh, you know own the screen like that. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, this this is a crazy film. Like, this is. Um, there's a lot to it, and I remember there being a lot to it, and there was still a lot to it because it's the same movie as it was before. I'm just different. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I think I think deeper thoughts now. You know. I'm... Yeah, exactly. Well, yep. I do think about different stuff. Uh, American, although, American although every time I watch it, the uh, the woman who yells, uh, "My ears are not toilets." Uh, yeah, that, that always reminds me of my mom. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wardrobe in this, since I guess I'll just step in for Christina because she's not near. Wardrobe in this is killer. This is this is whoever was was handling that did a fantastic job uh, for the set decoration. And and again, it's also in the fact that not everybody is dressed to look the coolest that they've ever dressed, but they look like they're dressed appropriately for what it is they're doing. And that and that's such a that's such a fine line. And which I mean, is, you know, there's the there's the famous, uh, you know, there's the famous pictures of him out there in like the Attica kind of yeah. um, moments. But like the actual guy, there's, the, you know, the most famous pictures of him um, are like standing outside of the bank in that same way. Yeah, he's uh, got like the open throated shirt, you know, because it's hot as hell, you know. OK, great. Yeah. No, no problem. Yeah, ain't no thing. Um, yeah, so this is, this is like uh, this is his famous picture that they uh, they took. Yeah, yeah, it, it literally looks like it could be from the movie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. nice. Um, so I, I have a I have a clip of the actual hostages that are talking about nice. uh, the experience of of 
getting like it, it wasn't from that documentary it was from no. a, a different thing but there's like they interviewed the actual hostages about what it's like definitely not as uh happy with them at the end of it as the as the actual like, as, as the hostages in this movie though right <laughs> all right let's, let's hear it well i think some of it too was stockholm syndrome in this movie i just want to know what the mouth is up to on a daily basis that's all i want to know yes like a show in the film was just before closing time and um, this fella whom I later found out his name was John would be holds up man I thought he was a very nice man he was talking about if I had any gold coins or silver coins and I thought he might be a um, coin collector you know because he came up in a sense he was <laughs> and I thought he was very nice because the lady came up behind him and he let her go ahead of him. And I says, oh, that's a gentleman. You know, I thought he was very nice. <laughs> and so um, after that, you know, it was three o'clock. So he walked away from the window and I uh, closed up my window. I like that they're using that. And all of a sudden, I just hear this violent, horrible language, vile. And I looked up, and there I see a rifle or a shotgun aimed at me. And and he and he was yelling, "This is a holdup," you know. He said this was a robbery which was a shock to everybody. <laughs> Never haven't been in one before. <laughs> but uh, he said, this is a robbery. Don't don't move. We have guns on you. And they did. Both had uh, rifles. What I would call a rifle, anyway. That's Barrett. He's passed on. And this is Maureen and Shirley. And here's myself and Dolores. Yeah. yeah. That's maybe behind my cage. It seemed that the manager was talking with someone. So Mr. Barrett said, don't transfer that person in, transfer so-and-so. And this other person happened to be a, a teller that, that was fired from, from stealing. So, so right away, the uh, per person in the uh, personnel department uh, uh, realized there was something wrong. And he says, is there something wrong there? And he said, yes, Mr. Barrett said, yes. So he hung up. So that was how the police were informed. Right we were in the, uh, the robbery squad that the office was in Coney Island. And we were told by the lieutenant that he had gotten a phone call from an executive from uh, the bank in Manhattan that he was speaking to the manager on Avenue P in East 3rd Street. And it was very funny on the phone. So he wanted us to go over to East 3rd and Avenue P. And we came from Coney Island and... There was two cars of detectives, and we parked over there across the street. And on the other side was a police car, radio car. What happened? When we got to the scene, we could see that basically that the uh, shades and everything were drawn on the bank. There was no people coming out. There was no guard in the, in the door. So we knew something was going on. <laughs> yeah, definitely the uh, portrayals are far more uh, cinematic than, than the actual people. But, uh, yeah, but I, I also like that they're all theater actors that like Al Pacino is kind of new yeah. from, the, 
in the park. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's great. But they they did keep uh you know good old toilet ears. Um, <laughs> good old toilet ears. Good old toilet ears. <laughs> People are talking about toilet ears more and more. Yeah, she 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 was actually offered the part of uh uh the the the, the Godfather and and Godfather and. Uh, mm. <laughs> I'm going to make them a toilet as they can't refuse. I think, um, yeah, yeah. Do we, do we want to uh, hit the letterbox one liners? I don't know. We're yeah. Been cooking long. I don't know if you have any more clips that you wanted to do, but, uh, um, I think I have, well, if you want to do one more, if you want to do one more clip, I have, uh, I have the one more behind the scenes one. That's, that's yeah. yeah let's, let's, let's do one more. Let's All do one right. more. And then... Yeah. More mook. More mookie. <laughs> <laughs> mookie Mugachi. Oh, Mookie Mugachi over here. Look at this guy. All right, very quiet down there. Now, please. Stay on it. All right, roll it. Hey, that's on action. Every setup in the film has been carefully rehearsed. Every step. In a tense scene like this, as the hostages move toward a limousine that will take them to the airport in an escape jet. It's the kind of thing this director does so well. Just keep holding here. Hold it. All right, break it on three, okay? Not yet, don't break it. One, two, three, go. We did it. We did it. We were there for a long time. We had seven nights of night shooting, during which you're disturbing people enormously. You've got lights on their fire escapes and on their roofs, and you're making noise all night. And they were marvelous. Uh, we didn't suddenly arrive, wake somebody up at four o'clock in the morning and say, uh, can we put a lamp out here? Everything of that had worked out in advance, so we could tell people precisely when we would be there, how much we we disturbed them, and so on. We couldn't have gone more smoothly. We're leaving now. Want no trouble on This is how it happened that night in 1972. And this is the atmosphere that Lamet recreates. If a writer had thought up this story, it would be dismissed as too weird, too unbelievable. But it did happen in Brooklyn. It did capture the curiosity of the entire country. Now, in Dog Day Afternoon, through the imagination and efforts of a group of filmmakers, those dramatic events are being relived. And that comes back to like you know, and we showed a little bit of the scene earlier. But like when the the driver guy is like, "Oh man, you're, you're the guy. You should see yourself. You'd never believe it." He's basically like, "Yeah, I'd believe it." <laughs> but like, it gets a good idea of the spectacle, right? Like, yeah. it, it gets over in a single like kind of like funny ish interaction that uh, you know gets across the, that entire idea. Well, it's also interesting when he realizes that that guy's also a cop. Like, yeah. And like they they snuck because he's like uh, shoot for the white meat and they're like 
Yeah, that guy's that guy's he's he's a he's one of the undercovers that's like uh Yeah, just like the guy with like what was like the red cardigan or something where it's like it's like okay, that guy is like trying way too hard to like blend in and he doesn't blend in at all. And it's like he's like the first one that like breaks cover for like no reason. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, well <laughs> this guy. He thought he thought he was looking real sly in that like, red cardigan or whatever he had going on. Yeah. Real subtle <laughs> boy. Yeah. Well, they just and the cop, the cops intermingle with that crowd, and like you can tell the difference, you know, between the cops that are like standing on the cars, and then the crowd kind of standing behind them throughout yeah. most of it. That's like, yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, they're alert in a way, in a way that like this, it, it belies uh, the entire thing of what they're doing, uh, just by how they how they react and everything, and how they're just very quick too. Which is funny because one of the first things I said is like, well, modern heist movie, it's like everything would be about the snipers and like taking them out immediately. You know, especially if you had like Michael Bay doing it or something. <laughs> I, I mean, fortunately, they did not do that with uh, JCVD, which uh, is is a great parody yes. of this movie. Um, right. But but uh, uh, they, they they did get the uh, the the uh, main robber who who they they actually made to look like um, uh, John Cazale in this. Film. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice touch, but but they also made him like the bad guy. Like you know, he absolutely was the villain of of the piece. Um, but the but the other Roberts are just like, oh my God, we got we got Jean Claude Van Damme in here. Well, they also do it in uh, in in speaking of Michael Bay, Michael Bay's Ambulance, which I found to be deeply entertaining, hilarious. But it's basically Grand Theft Auto on five stars. Yes. The movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, and and I mean that actually as a compliment in this case. Yes. Also, Michael Bay found out that drones are cool. That's the other thing I would say about that film. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> drone shots. Oh my god, and they're they're so they're so well used. <laughs> like, it's it's great. I, I mean, it's it's completely absurd. And, and uh, was it Jake Gyllenhaal is just like apparently the, the direction was I want you to be as crazy as you possibly can be, literally all the time. And there you go. Yeah, dial it up to eleven and just go. Yeah, just just leave it there. Leave yeah. this, just. To, break to, the knob off <laughs> but it's like contrast that which again I, I i love it and it's just like over the top michael bayness and absurdity with like the such a slow burner of, of heist film as this where, where you just again even when you see like the cops like overstepping and like the crowd's like boo boo and like you know gets on gets on their side and and stuff like it's it all is happening very naturalistically and, and that also just shows like the difference in eras between how that kind of uh interaction is is handled and, and they, could, they also could never make a, a movie the militarization where, uh, at mean. least at least one of the hostages didn't get taken out today i feel like well good point yeah because it, I, I absolutely i feel like like in some way shape or form whether it be through accident or, or whatever somebody would have died like then say the security guard like you know they where they they kind of like start roughing them up they would have just killed him like and like that would have been like oh you you the only hostage that died was from the police and whatever and that'd be a big thing but he's but black, he's the one black guy and they're like oh really you <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah what a what a shocking development the black guy got it huh uh yeah but it, but it's I I feel that one of the reasons that it's a fantastic film is because it doesn't uh, get more down in that and make you think about the like the logistical scenarios for stuff like that if that makes sense it is it's just it's a, it's a grounding of the narrative structure that like this is happening but it's not like the entire thing and 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 i say that as a, I, and I don't know why like i like ambulance when i can't stand most of michael bay's movies <laughs> but like i do i mean maybe because it's more cartoonish but like i feel like there's always like some like hey everybody isn't the military great scene where it's like man i know you like the military i don't need to see it like all the time all right 
Like, like here they come. Like, I think it's even in that Fakakta Transformers movie, right? Like, with the military yeah. come in and like are cool uh, for a the while. The Rock, you know, like, like, like they they so kill good. off the the one uh, the Michael Bean character with like the most patriotic speech that ever patriotic. Is. Well, yeah, and it's it's just like I don't know. There's there's some like, ruins so, like, the movie. Yeah, I, I only like Michael Bay when he's in Goblin mode, apparently. Uh, <laughs> which I'm like keep doing which, that. Which most That's of the great. Rock is, to be fair, but, but right, then right, it has right. that one moment. <laughs> uh, shall we get into Letterbox one-liners? Yeah, for Dog Day Afternoon. All right. So, of course, Letterbox is. It, it, I feel like we don't do many Power Trio episodes. Yeah, I we really like haven't it, in a long. We haven't. It's been like a while. Psycho, or I guess, or yeah. I mean, we don't. I guess we've done a couple, but I feel like we don't. We don't do that many of them. Anyways, this is an observation. Just an observation. <laughs> uh, Letterbox, yeah, of course, it's, it, a, it's a it's a gay Power Trio. Uh, it's a gay. <laughs> It's a power. And threesome. I guess I'm the bottom. <laughs> well, <laughs> for the uh, let podcast it... leaders, I, I'm the, uh, <laughs> the bottom of the screen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For the audio listeners, are like, "What? Why is that funny? Why are they laughing?" Letterbox, of course, is a social media site for film lovers who talk at with and to each other about the films that they love. Uh, maybe the films they didn't love, the films that they were weirdly thirsty for. The uh, main character and uh, and the young version of the main character uh, specifically in this film uh and of course all of this is a place where film lovers can talk ad with and to each other about the films that they love right and and then they get to uh not just have the siskels and the eberts of the worlds everybody gets to have their say bottom-up democracy everyone gets their time and uh, it's a very populist affair that way this is best expressed succinctly succinctly keep it succinct and then we get to uh, read them on air, and we comment and, and goof on them, and so and so. And these are the letterbox one-liners for Dog Day Afternoon. Oh sure, when Al Pacino commits a crime to make his trans lover happy, he's a beloved hero admired by the public. But when I do it, I'm banned from the anime store for shoplifting Final Fantasy plushies. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. I would like to know more about this crime. <laughs> or, what, or what's the one that uh, a lot, there's like this uh, plushy shark that a lot of uh, trans people have for some reason. It's like a trend online. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I don't know about that. I, yeah. No, I do know what you're talking about. But but go on. <laughs> <laughs> Sydney Lumet was in, a, in the booth after every take demanding enough buckets of fake sweat to fill a small river. And I think that's nice. I mean, you know, they do it with blood. Why not? Yeah, yeah. It's a sweaty it's movie. or not. It's just. Uh, Turn it's off method. the air conditioning. Would you, would you say it was method sweating, Andy? It could be. I mean, it's Al Pacino. So, so very well could be. It's like, let's do a method. Exactly. I'm really sweating here. <laughs> The woman here really captured the art of not giving a single fuck. Except about being on TV. And yeah. and the fucking husband calls Carol Kane's character and is like, hey, what do we have for dinner? And it's like, yeah. you can't make you can't figure that out for one night. Your wife is Yeah, what a turn. Like I'm being held hostage here. <laughs> when are you when are you coming? And she even asks, like, hey, he wants to know when you're coming home. When are you doing yeah. dinner? Yeah, what a what a, what a POS. If Al Pacino held me hostage, escaping would be the last thing on my mind. Well, I mean, it was for none of them tried to escape. They all kind of just were like playing cards and hanging out by the end. Yeah, of it. Yeah, all right, whatever. Yeah, we'll just chill out. It's fine. It's probably better than being a bank teller. Yeah, I'm sure once <laughs> they got to go to the bathroom, they were all fine. <laughs> Here's how Al Pacino can still win Best Actor for Dog Day Afternoon. 
Dog day <laughs> afternoon. That's uh, that's like the, the story about him and um, being on like a shitload of Klonopin at uh, at the Oscars. And like, uh, have you ever have you ever heard that story? No. He, like, what is this? He was he was very he was really really nervous about going to the Oscars like the first okay. time or something, and he just kept popping pills because it was like when his addiction was really bad. But they were like anxiety pills and like Vicodin or something. Okay. And he was just sitting there, and uh, he's asking, like, when, when does this thing go? Because he assumed it was, like, an hour long or something because of what they show on TV. And right, right. Like, it's, like, four hours. So he was sitting there. He was sitting He was sitting there and, like, like praying that they didn't ask him to go up and accept an award because he didn't need <laughs> to walk. But, by the way, uh, do you know who actually did win that year? Who? Jack Nicholson won Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Because wow. that was that was the same year as this. Also, same year as Barry Lyndon, Nashville, and Jaws. Crazy, right? That was a stacked year. <laughs> it was a stacked ass year. And uh, also, I, and I feel like um, there was another movie that we liked too that got totally snubbed, which obviously would never happen. But uh, oh, uh, uh, Three Days at the Condor. Oh yes. Anyway. So it's like Nicholson in uh, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest or uh, Pacino in Dog Day Afternoon. You know, I, I feel like it, I feel like it's interesting that like there's some uh, subjects like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest that you can't get away with uh, giving an award right. to at this point, and then other ones like this. Like I couldn't see the you know them being like it's a oh, little bit. Yeah, it was a little bit transgressive for the time, I suppose. Sure, yeah. Have you ever seen a bank robbery that you wish you were invited to? <laughs> they really do feel like they're having a blast by the end of it there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, if I was in a bank robbery, this is the one I'd want to be in. <laughs> <laughs> if I was in a bank robbery, though, and there was like, if I was a cop in a bank robbery, worst one to be in. Yeah, you're on, yeah, you're on terrible. The outside and they're like, oh, yeah, the crowd know. hates you just from the jump. Hmm. Yeah. Boo, Attica! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they should have called this dog day afternoon and night. They don't account for the night part. <laughs> the last, the last third of it, right? Like you, you kind of watch the, you watch the sun go down, and it's like, yeah. it's like, oh well, because I, I was paying attention to uh, watching it, like you know, like multiple times this week, and, and I finally like realized, like the last, pretty much third of it is like the sun goes down and it gets real eerie. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like when the, when they cut out the electricity and stuff, and it's like uh, the night part sound, seems way less fun than the afternoon part. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't account for it in the title. Yeah. Either. Just gay little Al Pacino being his gay little self and doing his gay little crimes. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. might be the first be gay do crime movie. I I think so. I think so. And, and there's a lot of uh, there were a lot of reviews that basically just were that. Which so of course I'm like I'm gonna go for the one that goes a little harder. So to speak. um the the actual <clears throat> the actual guy I think was even like a little bit smaller than Al Pacino, which is because Al Pacino That's is awesome. like is being his gay little self in this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but like the actual guy is like tiny. <laughs> yeah, well, he's how, also really fat now too, which is funny. How 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 height? How height? Oh my god, he's like five six or something, right? Like he's he's, he's like him and uh, him and like Dustin Hoffman are both like around the same height. He's not not a tall dude. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm like tall five, five, six. Yeah. He's uh, being his gay little self, you know? <laughs> being held hostage by Al Pacino looks fun as fuck. They got a pizza party. 
Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the same kind of hostage that you get when you ask uh, for a for a raise at work. They're like, we'll give you a hostage situation in a pizza party. Best thing I can do is a hostage situation in a pizza party. <laughs> yeah. Thirst watch for a tag. That's good. That's that's a, that's a good tag. I'm in favor of that one. Number one rule of bank robbery: Have fun and be yourself. Yes, yeah, and the reason that Sal got capped in the end is he wasn't comfortable with himself, right? Exactly. Like, he, he, he was he was real worried about them presenting him as gay. Just be yourself, you know. Yes, be yourself, be, man. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you don't know where Wyoming is. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's not a big deal. Those are the Letterbox one-liners for Dog Day Afternoon. Please, 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 not only remember Attica, but follow the show. Move next, Travaganza. That's your that's your host, R.I.P. John Cazali. Forrest Miller over there. Uh, he would appreciate it greatly if you followed him. He logs all the stuff, all the episodes, all the movies that we do here. Wyoming and I, and is- I logged uh, Serpico, um, the pawnbroker, and this like as watch series that I did this week. And the dog. Yeah, and the dog. The dog. Yeah, the dog. Not the bounty hunter. That's a different. That's a different. The dog. <laughs> Uh, I, of course, uh, Wyoming is not a country, but I am Kona Neutron. Uh, I'm all over that biz. Uh, Follow me along for the Criterion Challenge. I'm back on track with that. Uh, Also watching uh, all the highbrow, middlebrow stuff, uh, Populous Fair as well. Um, And I am on there actively once more since I'm not running around. Catterwall uh, currently. Uh, Jay Andrew World would not only rob a bank for his wife, he would probably log it uh, on Letterboxd as well. He's watched all the weirdest <laughs> stuff so you don't have to. Or maybe see Kim. I don't know. It's not, not for me to judge. Uh, but he's doing it. Uh, and Andy's he, bank robbery for his wife stars Steven Seagal. Yeah, that is not who I would... <laughs> That's not who I would cast for. It's a surprise cameo. Uh, who knew? Was, uh, not even. Yeah, but not even he on sat top down billing. through the entire robbery. It was weird. <laughs> right. Exactly. They're like, I'm, no, they're I'm asking. Gonna, I'm gonna rob you from this chair. They're, and there's nothing asking, you can do uh, to stop me. They're asking Andy. They're asking Andy what he wants more than anything. They're, they're, they're like, they're like, can we can we get you anything? And he's like, bring me Steven Seagal. I thought they bring in the chair, but it's like one of those like emperor chairs with like when they have the people carrying it. <laughs> and he anyway. brings his guitar with him. <laughs> I think he has his hype man talk about it. the number one blues man in the country, Steven Seagal. Oh <laughs> uh, man, judo master. Se- second, that came up. That came up last night when I uh, tracked that episode of Thousand One Album Complaints. Weirdly, Steven Seagal came up on that too. Strangely, that's not something I expect to talk about twice on a podcast in a week. Uh, <laughs> but in which way you slice it or kick it, if you will. Um, Jane World, take us away with the plugs, would you? All right. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, please do those YouTube things. Like, comment, subscribe. Hit that bell. And uh, the big ask is to watch the video to the end because that allows other movie fans to find our content. And you get a great Conan Neutron song, which uh, secretly I play Shaker Egg during uh, every single time. <laughs> I think I heard it this time. <laughs> I'm uh, on mute. <laughs> okay. This is implied then. All right. Yeah, it's, it's implied. Uh, just imagine Shaker Egg. That's me. Letterhack gave me props for it during the after party last time. So that was yeah. nice. Thank you, Letterhack. Yeah. No, that was that was absolutely fun. It was just weird. <laughs> In that, lieu uh, of payment, I take props. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're weird having on a fellow artist that, that I enjoy and respect, you know, compliment me too. So that was right. that was that was a very nice moment uh, for both of us. Yeah, that's how, that's how you get invited back in the show. Just butter everybody up. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so next <laughs> week we're gonna have uh, Letterhack back on. <laughs> right. He's like, come on next week, Letterhack coming up every week actually. <laughs> <laughs> this is the new Christina. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, but uh, if you're on social media, find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's our uh, social medias of choice uh, for, for the channel. And uh, keep up with us there. Um, we haven't gotten a blue sky code yet. To, to, <laughs> yeah, keeping it away from you. <laughs> come on. Come on. I just want that code, man. Exactly. But we do have a Patreon. Uh, that is a great way to help out the show is uh, support us on Patreon. Um, also, I forgot to mention uh, another great way to help out the show. Uh, if you're watching us on Twitch, um, you can... Uh, if you subscribe, uh, that's that's fantastic. But if you have an Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe for free. That helps us out and doesn't cost you a penny. So so please consider doing that. Yes. And of course, uh, with the Patreon, as I, as I was mentioning that before, uh, the Patreon, you can have access to our after party. So you can see uh, Letter Hack. Uh, give us all those after nice party, party forever. Uh, you 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 can hear me tell a story about accidentally uh, wandering into a, an adult bookstore uh, to pick up a copy of Dune by accident last week. <laughs> so yes. yeah, so so there there are great moments to to, to see, and you can uh, dig into those. Um, uh, Christina uh, could not join us, so I'm going to plug her real quickly. Uh, she does have a great Twitch channel, so uh, when she is on next, please check her out. And if you can, support her uh, coffee. Uh, that's K-O-F-I uh, dot com slash uh, cos cos Cosmopolitics. Yeah, she's pretty much universal brandy on Cosmopolitics now for everything, so it's good. Yeah, yeah, I was reaching for it, and uh, my my, uh, my brain was going, <laughs> um, Christina, and it's like, no, brain, shut up. Yeah, it hasn't been, hasn't been that for a while, yeah. No, no. And I'm just like, that, that's why I was kind of stuttering there going like, no, I'm starting this off correctly. My brain's like, no, no. You fear. actually you actually did fine, but I appreciate the Bo is afraid level breakdown of how you thought you might fail it. Correct. <laughs> just signaling people. That's, that's what's but what if I did fuck it up? It'd probably sound a little something like this. Uh, spe speaking of um, not fucking things up, uh, <laughs> there's a great show called Protonic Reversal. Yes. It is in my background. Yeah, there is a great show called Proton Conversal. Uh, I just had uh, Tim Jones of Cheer Accident last week, and I'm having another Tim on tomorrow, which is at Tim Green of the fucking champs and Nation Ulysses. And uh, he's been on before, but that was like 300 episodes or something ago. It's been a long time. We're going to talk about the fucking champs uh, reissue of uh, th three. I think three is the one that they reissued. I figured it out before I have them on. Uh, but that's been a long time coming because I know it's been out of print for forever. Yeah, and that's, you got 24 hours. You're good. You, right. Yeah. And that's uh, that's the one for fans of that band. Uh, before they went, they, it was before they went by the fucking champs, but they couldn't call themselves the champs anymore because that band that did tequila uh, was called the champs. So they just briefly called their band C4AM95, like champs. <laughs> yeah, they did, that didn't work so well, so they they changed it after that. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a great record. If you, if if you're uh, if you're a fan of that kind of stuff, it should be should be a good time. Tim's Tim's awesome. He runs a great studio called Louder Studios that's recorded a bunch of uh, fantastic bands as well. Nice, nice. And of course, uh, if you want to get more music like the uh, theme song, you can or... also. By the way, there's also a Patreon for that too. Uh, oh, yes. So... <laughs> Patreon.com slash Conversal, $1 a month for early access to episodes like that, or say John Wright from No Means No, which seems to be making the rounds now, now that uh, it's, <laughs> now that's been out for a little bit. So there you go. 
But yes, people are finally thank you. catching that, that no means no. You know what I mean? Before that, right. they weren't. Before they were unclear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were they were ahead of the game on that. I mean, that band formed in like 82 or something, 1982. So. We, we, uh, we stand consent kings, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, of course, if you want some Conan Neutron music, go to neutronfriends.bandcamp.com and yep. get uh, Dangerous Nomenclature or uh, perhaps something older. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's. Uh, you can even get the whole Megillah for like one big digital price. We just played Chicago. That was a great show. Uh, that was really good. We have uh, a show with Poster Children next month, which I think is either the week of or the week before Rick from Poster Children comes on this show. And we have a quick little jump that's like Columbus and Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, and Louisville, Kentucky, in late July. I have three things that I still can't announce yet, but. There's a bunch of stuff coming. If you look at the band camp or go on Song Kick, you can get um, free updates for whenever we're coming near you. I, I, I can tell you this. People that are on the West Coast are going to be stoked. People on the East Coast may be less stoked. <laughs> well, what are, what are we not on the East Coast if not, you know, a little less stoked? A little less stoked. Got to say. Got to say. After those first wildfires. Of the... after, after wildfires appeared for the first time on the East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> No, but like those, those texts I had, those texts I had back and forth that you would, <laughs> where it was like, uh, you know, people act like things that happen on the East Coast are happening for the first time, yeah. and it's like because they, because for me they are. I've never yeah. had them. It's, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, well, it's, it's, I, I mean, it's like, like, funny, but not funny. It's always because like, like the East Coast is like uh, they thinks it's the center of the world because it is the center of news media. Yeah. Well, just you like know. people think, people think that people outside New York City give a single fuck about New York City mayoral race. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a fuck about it. Well, in Tel Aviv, and they want they you might. to shut up about it, huh? In Tel Aviv, they might. <laughs> hey, everybody! Matters to them quite a bit. Go. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're talking about the New York City mayoral race in uh, in Jerusalem right now. Exactly. It's probably more relevant to Jerusalem than it is Wisconsin. I'll tell you that much. Anyway, moving on. Get get, get away from that subject entirely. <laughs> uh, I think that's it for the plugs because I can't think of anything to plug for myself other than uh, I have something really exciting to announce soon, but I can't just yet. Because I literally got the uh, contract like today. So, oh, great. So, so, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, uh, being able to announce that. But but uh, uh, big, big things are coming, people. Well, one, <laughs> one, thing, uh, one thing we should probably uh, plug. You know, our, our good one-time friend, uh, Sam Cedar, narrated Michael Brooks' audiobook. And that just came out. Um, oh, that's awesome. Against the Very web. Cool. So they, uh, they finally just released that, I think, yesterday. People are people are excited about that. I think it's it, it's only like... A two and a half hour audiobook because it's only an 80 page book but against the web is now a sam cedar read uh title that's very cool that's very cool I, oh i was gonna say i, I we, we're we're broadcasting on wednesday instead of tuesday too because i was on an episode of a show i like called 1001 album complaints and that's coming out in a couple weeks so I'll, I'll which complaint were you I, actually, we did Funhouse by the Stooges, and I expected to just be the one, uh, only one defending it. But uh, I basically won everybody over to my side. So, spoiler <laughs> alert: debate, debate, King. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, Move over, Burgess. Album. So, like, like, why wouldn't it be? Uh... 
Why, why would well, you look, look. The, w- the reason why I like that show is those those guys are like, I mean, like they they are they are rockists, but like in a way that where it's not coming from punk rock at all. So sometimes their their take on things are, is absolutely befuddling, and sometimes some episodes are just funny, like Red Hot Chili Peppers. They did, but it's sort of it's based off of this. Um, uh, 1001 albums you have to hear before you die like list that uh, it's like a book the guy did and so the, each episode they do a different record from that and so I oh that's the smart the smart to do a multimedia experience that way yeah yeah uh, I, I, like i said i listened to the show so it, it, it's uh it was it was nice to be on it and even better that i won again spoiler alert Not, there's no winners or losers but i won <laughs> um uh so uh so conan do you have some uh final thoughts to to dive into right here i i absolutely so i think that uh al pacino has given a lot of fantastic performances over the years um but this dog afternoon his performance in dog afternoon is up there with uh godfather and godfather too like it's it's one of his absolute best and it's before he settled into the thing that we know and, and, and love him for, you know, and like he definitely is doing in Heat, which I love, and like he's starting to do when you get into Glengarry Glen Ross, which I also love. But his performance here is fantastic. Uh, this is incredibly well directed. Uh, not nobody does claustrophobic drama uh, like Lumet does. I mean, I'm I can't say it's my favorite Lumet movie because it's it's he also did Network, which is basically one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, but this is a fantastic five-star movie, and one of the things I love best about it is the characters are very well-rounded, uh, and it's it's not predictable in any way, shape, or form, and, and and it's very ahead of its time that way, and it's just it's just a cool movie. And like I almost would say, I don't know if it's possible, but if anyone, certainly no one watching this show, but if you if you're thinking if people were thinking about watching it, like it's I feel like the best experience is know as little about it as possible because you'll give me really surprised by like you know like oh wow oh i didn't didn't have that on my bingo card and um that's one of the reasons why we're including it uh in uh, big gay june which i can't believe is the title um we well and i also feel like as we've kind of gone into like the the age of i guess uh representation and wokeness right like yeah. it gets harder and harder to just have stories like this that are um well and, and there's something to be said and i'm not the right person to say it but there's something to be said for representation being more than just someone's sexuality or someone's identity. Uh, yeah. Like p- people can, people can and should be well-rounded characters that uh, have, have more going on than just that. And what I like about this movie is for better or worse, whatever you think of the actual person, uh, there's some very, very well-roundedness to it that unfolds in a very interesting cinematic manner. And that's what more can you ask for from a, for something like this? Yeah. Um, Andy, you have any final thoughts? Um, I, I did want to uh, just mention uh, one uh, Al Pacino movie where he did act and after like his his big like, um, you know, uh, where he does his thing. But I would have to say uh, Memento, after the Memento uh, um, goes off in his head and insomnia. Like, what was uh, Al Pacino? Oh, insomnia is great. Like, like, yeah. Last, last like movie where he really just acts. Um, yeah. He isn't doing the thing that everybody loves that he does. Like, yeah, and, and, and when he comes close, it's just because like mentally he's kind of breaking down. Yeah, I, I, look, and I'm not saying I even dislike it. I'm just saying that if you only think of him as as doing the thing, you know, like right that. Uh, yeah, and Robin Williams, by the way, great in that film, also. Yes, uh, yeah, as yeah, a dramatic no, role, that phenomenal like, film. Uh, yeah, which we should cover sometime, but but. Uh, but basically, but, but, yeah, yeah. To, to, to clarify, 
It's not that I'm saying that like he didn't ever like act af- after this. I'm just saying like this is one of my favorite roles. Of it. Like it's up there for me acting wise with the Godfather, and Godfather too for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I I feel like uh, Scarface is the moment that he kind of flipped. Like something yeah. in his brain, like something yeah. in his brain just went. It's it's so all expensive. that thing. Right, right. It's, just, it's, it's, it's all it's, cocaine decisions too. He 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 activated his goblin mode on that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Never, but I mean, it works like, for that. It works. He never, for that. he never it, fully. But he, I'm just saying, he probably never fully recovered uh, from working with Oliver Stone. <laughs> maybe. Um, maybe but uh, yeah. So next week on Tuesday, we'll be back with uh, we have uh, Dan from the internet coming on, and we're going to be talking about Moonlight. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure what the fourth movie in our month is. We still have to figure that out with Christina. It's gonna surprise to everybody. <laughs> yeah, our, our producer for the month is in absentia, so uh, <laughs> well, you'll you'll know when we know people. Well, it's better than our producer for the month being dementia. 